Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, what's up and welcome to Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast coming from King's Comics in Sydney. My name is Levins. My name's Siobhan. And every week, Siobhan and I read way too many comics, especially this week in which we read way too many goddamn comics. But you know what? Every single comic book is special in its own (laughs) special way. And in this episode, we will tell you which comics are the most special and the ones you should be reading too. Uh, Usually we kick off each episode with First Things First, which Mm -hmm. is a segment in which we review all of the new number one issues that came out in the last week. There were a few this week. There were about 10. Uh, But uh, to to change things up a bit, I thought we should talk about a comic that ended. So instead of First Things First, this is Seventh Thing Second, Seventh (laughs) First. Wait, fuck it. Seventh Thing First. Nice. It's got a real real nice catchy ring to it. And we're going to talk about um, Claws by Grant Morrison and Dan Mora. Came out through Boom Studios, a seven-issue limited series. This is the origin story of... um your favorite sex icon and mine, Santa Claus. Sex icon? Oh, yes, he is. He is. This is sexy, sexy Santa. This. this is like this is my selling point for this book is that it's like hot Santa. No one, no one seems to find that. A I, I, point. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I've sold very few copies. In, in in the past, we've been calling it Santa Year One. Oh yes, and this is like the origin accurate. story of how a um, humble, cast out guy from a from a medieval village becomes Santa Claus. Um, and it's written by Grant Morrison, who is prone to either writing these fantastically inspiring, you know, getting to the absolute essence of what a character is all about kind of stories like that we've seen in um, uh, All-Star Superman mm-hmm. and uh, even in Multiversity quite recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he's d- obviously done a lot of lot of runs like that, but he's also capable of doing these complete, like, cosmic blustery mindfuck borderline unreadable (laughs) (laughs) so when this came out i was i I was curious as to which side he was going to go was he going to go you know the the dark grant morrison or was he going to go this you know fun sentimental (laughs) yeah and he did a nice mix of both i feel like this is like like if you're you know if you've got a teenage a teenager in your life that you want to get into comics Mm -hmm. that's someone that's you know still holds that someone that found out that santa claus isn't real a couple of spoiler alert everyone Guys, Claus, sorry real. to tell you. Uh, but uh, if 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 they're if they're if they're ready for for a slightly darker comic, this could be like my first dark comic. Mm, totally, totally. Um, it's so good, man. I mean, this was such a great ending to such a great series. Definitely. Um, really, really wrapped it up really well. Dan Mora on art the whole way through has been like yeah. completely amazing and totally 
like does an incredible job in this, like the double page spread where he shows up in his sleigh for the first time as like this cool metal Santa with like oh, it's a so big good. sword and like wolves yeah, pulling have, his sleigh. He doesn't have uh, reindeer. He has the coolest, big white wolves. It's the coolest thing I've ever seen. And he's immortal and like it's just, it's this fantastic story that... Uh, just, and he's, he's fighting Krampus. Yeah. Is the important thing. And there's a, yeah, I mean, there, there's, you know, lives of an entire village, his children at stake. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it really balances that, you know, dark grittiness that you're, you know, used to with modern comics with the, the magic that's required to tell a story about the beginnings of Santa Claus. Yeah, absolutely. Like, even though there's quite a lot of, like, this is quite a scary comic and there's quite a lot of violence and, you know, it gets a little bit gory in places. Um, it still feels very, very nice the whole way through. I thought, yeah. like, it's got a really good emotional core to it, um, and it's just, it's just so fun to read. There's an eighties, there's an ambi eighties like Amblin kind of nature to the to mm. the way the story is told too. Not so much in like you know the, uh, not not so much like Stranger Things has kind of recently kind of uh, mm. paid paid homage to. This is more like uh, like Gremlins or something yeah. like that in a way. Totally. Um, you know, it's 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 a it's a pretty fun and broad appeal appealing comedy, but with some, it's not afraid to go to super dark, like an American Werewolf in London or something like that. So Absolutely. it's not necessarily like the kind of scare or gore that will haunt your dreams, but it it makes its impact as you read it. Mm. The writing's great, and Dan Mora's art is superb. I think this is a this is a must I trade really- when this is collected in trade. Like I, I've got every issue, I'm still going to buy the trade, yeah. and we'll probably buy a couple of extra copies for for friends as well. It's a perfect Christmas present. Agreed, absolutely. Like people, um, people who are not huge comic book readers, I know, have gotten really, really into this series. Um, so it's a good one. It's a good one just to dip your toe into comics. Yeah, and this is like you know, Grant Morrison has, has many different sides to the way he writes stories. Um, I uh, I would compare this a lot to uh, what was the the run he did at Vertigo with um, Sean Murphy um, about oh about the kid with like hyperglycemia <laughs> yeah 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 um, what was that called Can I look that up Grant Morrison Sean Murphy it was a really 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 great um, again it felt like a like an eighties eighties kind of family action movie um, it was super super fun it was called. Joe the Barbarian. Joe the Barbarian. So it's, if you've read that, it's, it's very similar yeah, in, in theme. Similar to, vibe. To that. Um, Absolutely. And yeah, I, I think this is my, my, my favorite thing that Grant Morrison has written a lot uh, in a long while. I definitely liked it more than his Wonder Woman Year One story. And uh, See, I still liked his Wonder Woman. Oh, no, I, I really like that. I just like this a lot more. Yeah, this is amazing. Um, yeah. So yeah, Klaus or Claus. Santa Claus. Whichever. We don't say Claus, Santa Claus, but it's pretty good. Depends how much you want to trick people. When you buy it for them. Oh, yeah, like, totally. No, it's an entirely Klaus. new thing. Yeah, it's yeah. called Klaus. <laughs> and they're tricked into reading a story about Santa sucked in. Um, yeah, a really, really satisfying end to this story. Absolutely. Um, so, highly recommended from us. Let's go over to First Things First. That was a, that was a really, really great first ever Seventh Thing First. And uh, hopefully we'll return to that yeah. Im- important segment again. I look forward. Um, we're going to review all of the brand new number ones that came out in the last week. Um, and then later on, we're going to be reviewing all the new comics from DC, Marvel, Image and more. If you, mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, you can find every comic that we talk about on the show at King's Comics, which is... 310 Pitt Street or um, online at kingscomics.com. And thanks so much to King's Comics for letting us record in your very beautiful office. And for letting us read so many hot, comics. Hot, hot stuff. <laughs> um, so I'm going to kick off with the number one issue of Super Fuckers Forever hey, by James hey. Kachalka. Now, James Kachalka is very, very dear to my heart. He was one of the uh, first cartoonists that I ever really, really got into. Um, as I w- when I was at high school, um, he 
it was one of the first kind of prominent internet comics as well. And he used to basically write a, uh, a diary style comic every single day of his life. And then he collected them all as a American elf. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done several, you know, quite fun and, and silly stories. Some of them are all ages. Some of them look like all ages comics and definitely aren't. And that is exactly what super fuckers is. Yes. If it did not have fuckers in the title, you would be. Yeah. It's like confused into buying it for your child. Don't buy it for your child. So Superfuckers is about a bunch of like, I guess it's like his take on like Teen Titans, mm. a bunch of real stupid teenagers with all these goofy powers mm-hmm. that are just completely over the top and lewd and disgusting. And uh, no no one really fights any crime. People just do gross things to each other. Yeah, that and seems bad to shit me. happens to them. And it's, it's, you know, it's crass and it's silly. And there were, I think it was like six issues that came out through Top Shelf a few years ago, I've got the collection and some of the singles from, from when they were coming out originally. And uh, bringing it back, I was extremely excited to find out that this is coming out this week. Uh, I wasn't sure what this is going to be like in like a, a regular comic format because mm. uh, even when it was through Top Shelf, it felt like you were buying like a little book with it when you got each issue. Um, but he's uh, he's balanced it quite, quite well. Like you definitely burn through this first issue, um, absolutely. And it feels uh, the, the spirit of the original series is, is within this comic. Um, even though you can tell he's kind of toning down some of the insane, crazy, lewd and disgusting things that he used to have the characters say. Mm. They're still pretty lewd and disgusting, but not not quite as uh, politically incorrect as they used to be. Um, right. And you, know, you could argue that's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not um, I'm not super familiar with James Kachalka's work. Like, I'm aware of him because he's such an important, like, voice, mm. especially in webcomics. Um, and I, I haven't really read the original Superfuckers stuff. Um but this was super funny. It was yeah. really good. It was a little bit like I felt a little bit like I was coming into something that had already been way established. Yeah, but so I it was think a little by, bit confusing. I think by the time you read the second issue, you'll just you'll just go along with it. Yeah, exactly. But I think they kind of wanted to kind of. I think they, the, those references are in there to make people that are coming back from reading the first exactly. one to feel like, oh, it's still attached. That's good. Um, yeah, I highly recommend my favorite Kachalka book is a. Um, pretty great all-ages comic he wrote called Peanut Butter and Jeremy oh. about a dog and a cat. A sorry, a cat, a cat and a bird, sorry. cat and a bird. Um, and uh, that's, I, don't think, I'm hoping, I think that's through Top Shelf too. But that's an excellent, really, really fun and sweet um, comic about a, 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 a cat that wears a little hat and a, and a crazy bird that tries to put bad, bad ideas in the, in the cat's head. Nice. It's very sweet. Um, and Kachalka actually will be talking about him next week because he submitted a story to the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers annual that comes out oh. next week, which uh, is not a continuation of the regular story. It's rather a bunch of cool creators like um, uh, Terry Moore is doing a no story way. and uh, Marguerite Bennett. And uh, yeah, it's, mm, I guess I do have to read that. Yeah, Jeez. you definitely should. I think uh, I think that'll that'll be fun. Even though I've stopped I've stopped reading um, the regular thing. Um, Rob Gilroy from Chew's writing stuff. Cool. Yeah, and Kachalka. Very exciting. Mm. Very, I'm very exciting. Check that out. It's a fun time to be a Power Ranger, guys. <laughs> um, can we talk about my favorite number one of the week? Please. Uh, we're going to talk about Briggsland, which is uh, one of two great comics that Brian Wood wrote this week. I realize that I've been telling everyone that this is written by James Robinson yep. because I get Brian Wood and James Robinson confused in my head. They're, they're two great writers with questionable regular lives. Yeah, right? like, like <laughs> people who are really big in the late 90s and have never quite followed through and have had big scandals in the last couple of years. Mm. That's why I get them confused. <laughs> uh, Briggsland is excellent. Um, yeah. Did you have you seen the second season of Fargo? No. Within it, it there is uh, the story of um, a family mafia mm-hmm. who kind of own their own property and basically control the crime in the small town that they're a part of. And it's uh, an, 
elderly mother and father and their three sons. Right. And Briggs Land is about an mm. older mother and father and their three sons mm-hmm. um, living in, um, uh, what is it, like a... Basically, like rural wilderness that they own and control in uh, nor- upstate New York, mm-hmm. um, but they're they're not a part of the United. Don't consider themselves a part of the United States. So this follows a, a couple of FBI agents um, watching the mother of the outfit as she goes to visit the father of the outfit who was in jail after an attempted assassination on the president, um, and she basically tells him that like he's out and she's taking over the family business mm-hmm. and. So the, the the kind of main drama and drive of this story comes from which of her three sons will take her side and which of the sons will take the dad's side. And I guess that's what we're going to be seeing in the next few issues. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed this. I thought it was a really strong first issue. I mean, it's already been picked up for either a TV show or a movie. I think it's um, a TV show. So you you feel like it's going... Like, I mean, you know that the core concept is really strong. The art's not my favorite. It's a bit hard to tell the um, Mac Cheetah is the artist. It's just a little bit hard to tell the age of some of the female characters. Like, I didn't really understand that she was the mother for mm-hmm. a while just because she looks like every other woman. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a scratchiness to the, to the art. I don't think it's it's far from bad. No, no, no. It's definitely right. not it's, bad. It, it, carries, it reminds me of like um, Alex Maleev or, or Michael Lark. Yeah. Um, that, you know, they, they have strong, strong. they're great at drawing at night, but less good at drawing in the day. <laughs> yes. Yeah, um, and if you thought trying to d- decide uh, which character was which was difficult in this book, wait till we talk about Supergirl Rebirth number one. Oh my God, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, <coughs> I really liked this this series. I can't wait to see what what, what happens in it. It um, ends on a big holy shit moment mm-hmm. that we won't spoil for you. But um, this is this gets a hundred percent recommendation from me. This uh, this is definitely going to be a very very special series. I'm not sure if it's a long ongoing thing or more of a mini series. It's set up for the TV show. Also, super interesting to see something like this coming out of Dark Horse because this feels very much like it would be something that normally would be published by Image. I don't know if that's interesting yeah. to anyone who doesn't work in a comic book store, but interesting yeah. to me. No, you're right. I definitely felt like more like an image comic. I'm going to talk about image in this episode mm. because I think that we're, we're going through a weird phase of image for, mm. for us. But Dark Horse, I read three books from Dark Horse this week and they were all like in my really top, excellent. Top, probably my top five. Yeah, easily. Uh, cool. So that's Briggsland number one by Brian Wood and Mac Chater. Definitely go check that out if you can still find it on the shelves. Let's talk about Supergirl Rebirth number one. Written by one of my favorites of recent years, uh, Steve Orlando, who uh, was pushed onto me by Lynn from King's Comics because he wrote the uh, Midnighter, the Midnighter right. series. Um, and he's also writing the backups in the, in the aforementioned Mighty Morphin Power Rangers uh, book that I dropped a while ago. But that was on, not, not, not on not his part. Not because of him. No. Um, so this is uh, a proper rebirth issue. Um, in which they basically try and cram as much weird setup and mm. new end end things and begin new things into this weird rebirth issue. Um, art was by Emanuela Lupacino, mm-hmm. um, and I I think there was a lo- there were there were a few moments where I had no fucking idea what was going on, especially because um, uh, Supergirl and her her mum and I don't know her her mum's boss. So the three main characters of the yeah. of the book all have long blonde hair, yeah, and all kind of look like between twenty and thirty five, yep. 
it was confusing. I will agree. And it was like, I mean, this was a confusing issue, especially if you haven't been keeping up with Supergirl, because I think what they're trying to do is push a lot of the things that have been successful about the Supergirl TV show into the comics. Mm. So now Supergirl is kind of working for the FBI, is it? And... Or some some, some kind of organization, and like matter. she's been assigned parents who she sort of has to deo has to chill, chill out with. Um, but so w- the, I I thought this was a this was a hard reset. Yeah, it seemed like I mean it, it's changing a lot of changing a lot of um, well, fundamental there were, things. There were moments in this where I couldn't I wasn't sure if they were doing flashbacks or they were kind of just telling a, a story that mm. jumped for I don't even know. But at the core of it. I really enjoyed it. Like, yeah. I think the, the moments that I was confused, I just kind of was like, you know what? All these rebirth issues are shit. So um, this can, I can just ignore th- those shit parts. And then it, it, you can, the, the important stuff is that St- Steve Orlando has a good grasp of Kara L. Absolutely. AKA Super, Supergirl. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with her because I've not read a Supergirl ser- series ever. Really? Mm-hmm. My favorite Supergirl I've seen her series. die in, in uh, Crisis on Infinite oh, Earths. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Such a classic, classic death. Um, my favorite Supergirl series is probably the All Ages one that they did a couple of years ago called Supergirl and Supergirl's Adventures in the Eighth Grade. Cool. That Very cute. Great. Mostly set at school, which is why I'm excited by this because um, she's, you know, she's got a code name and she's going to be going to high school. And I hope that we, I hope we get to see a little bit of the like, uh, I have to finish my maths assignment, but also I'm Supergirl <laughs> kind of stuff. Was this in set in Metropolis? I don't know. Where is she now? She's in some place called the Scabbard, which is where the DEO reside. I don't even mm. know. Um, one of the biggest kind of flaws of the New 52 was that they never really seemed to have a good grasp on Supergirl. Mm. At one point, they made her a Red Lantern, which makes no fucking yeah, sense. Yeah, that was stupid. Um, she had those weird boots. Because she's never, even though like, my, my limited amount of, of exposure to the character, right, she's never seemed like a particularly angry character. Yeah, no, no. It's not a defining characteristic. Um, giving you a heads up um, for me whining about Red Lanterns again later in the issue, in the episode because I accidentally read Green Lanterns again. It's your fault. <laughs> um, also, Lynn from King's Comics was out of the room when I gave her a compliment, but now she's back in it. So, hey, Lynn. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Supergirl Rebirth number one. A confusing start, but I... Th- Still going to stick for the, stick yeah, with the absolutely. series to see what they actually do when it, when it begins properly. Yeah, it's just a lot. Of, it's a lot of setup to be like, this is who she is, this is who her real parents were. That's what happened when they died. Now this is like the setup of her life. So if you're interested in Supergirl, I reckon pick it up. Let's move on to another DC book. Number one issue of Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. Siobhan Coombs as a serious <sighs> issues resident Birds of Prey fan. What did you think of this issue? I mean, it was all right. I loved the artwork. <laughs> yeah, the art's really art nice and very thing. different. And I've not seen her, um, what's the name of the artist? Uh, Claire Rowe. I've not seen her pop up before. And no. I, I, she has a really, really unique take on everyone, especially Barbara Gordon. Especially Barbara oh, Gordon and some like incredible like over-the-top facial expressions and like... I reckon she's um, got, she must yeah, be really like... Because cool. uh, she pops up with a really, really great take on her. Pops up in Nightwing this week as well. Mm. But uh, I, um, I reckon she might be becoming like... DC artists and colorists' favorite character because she just pops in every every mm. issue I see her in lately. Yeah, it's really, that great really. costume. It's such a great costume. So many great costumes in this. I really like the redesign for Black Canary. For and once, Huntress looks good too. Huntress looks amazing. Huntress is like so muscly and cool. I'm super into that. Um, so you, you weren't crazy about the story. Uh, I mean, I'm just sort of. It seems a bit basic so far. Like I feel like we're just now in the kind of 
they're fighting, but we all know they're going to be friends soon. And by the end of the issue, they've kind of teamed up, but still don't really trust yeah, each other. Huntress kills people. They've got different, they've got different they codes. They've got different, different codes. Um, I'm into this. I don't know. I, I kind of like that it's quite low stakes. They just want to find out who this Oracle character is, who's, who's pretending to be the Oracle. Yeah. And there are little flashbacks to how they used to be, even though, like, you know, they have never really been mm. that together in this uh, iteration. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was really into this. I, yeah. I think I think a slow start to this kind of book is, is a good thing because a lot of the other DC titles as we talk about week to week are um, happening too quickly. Absolutely. Um, yeah, like, I mean, it just sort of didn't didn't completely grab me, but there are some really great sort of physical moments. Like, I really love what she's doing with Black Canary just from, like, a visual perspective. Like, there's a really funny page where sort of Huntress and Batgirl are arguing and Black Canary's just standing in the background sort of with a finger in her ear looking really... Um, really exhausted by the whole thing. Please give me a Black Canary title on her own because I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and read that one in the New Fifty Two that we, that you really enjoy where she was. Yeah, she was cool. She, she was had cool her own in band. that. Um, that was an interesting title. Yeah, but uh, she was used again in another in another DC book that I accidentally read, even though I said I wasn't gonna read it anymore. And we'll talk about that later. But uh, she actually used a scream. So that was good. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, she uses a scream heaps in this, which I think is a prerequisite. If you have, totally. if you're gonna use Black Canary in a book, you have to make she a scream. She has to scream. She has to scream, twice. or at least get like karate chopped in the throat so she can't. Oh, that's a very good point. Also a classic. Um, um, yeah, I think the art's the best thing about this. I'm still interested. I'm still on board to see what happens next. This is a massive compliment. I would say the art is similar to Gabrielle Barr and Fabio Moon. That is a big compliment. Face, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but a similar really vibe. Similar. Um, I love I love the art of this. Also, is the Asp like a, uh, an established character? Or is I he have new? no idea who this is. Do you reckon like whenever people are designing a new character, they, they just kind of turn to like the snake section of the encyclopedia? <laughs> like, like I feel like every species of snake is named named after has a bad guy named after it now. Probably. Name a good guy after a weird 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 breed of snake. Yeah, totally. For That's once. Snake Pliskin. Thank you very much, Jim, from King's Comics. <laughs> uh, over to the last number one from DC this week, Suicide Squad number one by Rob Williams. And my I, look, he's an up-and-comer. I don't think he's going to make it. Jim Lee on art Just here. a little-known, little-known guy. Um, <laughs> can we have, like, an award for worst artist of 2016 <laughs> and just not let it... Because I want to do, like, awards that listeners can vote on. Of who they oh, yeah, good idea. I really think my two... Least favorite, two of the worst things I've read this year: Scooby Apocalypse, and now this completely mm. over the top, unnecessary Suicide Squad. It's so pedestrian, and it's like the most basic things. But then, like, like why do you keep? Why did DC keep letting Jim Lee redesign characters? Why does? I don't know. I don't. Yeah. What the I fuck mean, is, why does Killer Kill Croc, Croc looks like like something that Poison Ivy grew? Yeah. And Deadshot looks like an aquatic vi- villain now. Like Deadshot has, has Deadshot used to have the best. Best outfit. I know. It's such a good costume. I love, I love referring to superhero costumes as outfits. Outfits. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's my favorite. Um, yeah. I mean, this was such a weird issue because it was basically just a, like getting the team together, but mostly also revolves around Killer Croc throwing up in his helmet to the point where he's about to drown. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> who who thought that was a good idea? Apparently, Rob and Williams. It, it's like the like like the, the second half of the book is is Killer Croc throwing up and them having it to really deal with is. that. It really is. There's also a backup story um, with some cool Deadshot stuff in it. I liked this Th- much that was better right. than the but rest of the book. He still has a dumbass costume. I know this is such a pathetic thing. No, but about, it's but like, fair. He he looks like he looks like more like Black Manta or Ocean Master. Yeah, it's he looks a more weird, like Ocean Master than Deadshot does. It looks like his mask can kind of like open up to be like Venetian blinds. Like it's weird and shut. But it's not like a du- all. All he does is is like take great aim. Why mm. does he need such a complicated robotics? 
system. the kids love pouches. They don't anymore. Those kids are 45 years old. I know they still love pouches and they're probably ones still buying this. And, and is, we're probably yeah. losing 45-year-old listeners as I keep complaining. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. I feel like the Deadshot for me was like the first like character that wasn't very popular that I loved. Mm. Um, I read all of John Ostrander's Suicide Squad run and all of the um, the – he did like some – Deadshot miniseries within that run and then especially in um, Gail Simone's Secret Six run yeah. he's far and away the greatest character in that like and that's Agreed saying a lot who's your favourite? Um, probably Scandal Scandal Savage yeah she's great but like he has Deadshot has the <laughs> best jokes the whole way through and he's, char- he's such an important character because you never know if he's going to side with the good guys or the bad yeah and because he just kind of doesn't give a shit and so mm. when he does give a shit it's powerful yeah um, that's true that's true. He isn't really a bad guy, but he is if you pay him enough. Mm. And I just feel like all everything that I like about this character now, it's just like, I don't know. It's like every, it's like his, his character trait is that he has a daughter. Yeah. Like yeah. They, that, that's definitely a part of it, out of it before. I mean, there's, there's a story that Ostrander wrote in which his son dies, which, mm. is, which is, which is really, really tra- traumatic. But I just feel like, like that, that's his, like, that's his character trait now. Yeah. Not this, like, you know, this kind of, carelessness when it comes to living or dying is kind of hinted. I don't know. I, I, it really, really bugs me how They've how just taken, they've taken all of the like now. cool nuance out of him and made it like really surface level and really obvious and really boring. Um, and they're just trying to make this the movie, which is and just the movie like the movie sucks. It's, it's, a, it's a historical fact now. We had a vote and everyone knows that the Suicide Squad is a two out of ten. But also best. this like, I mean, this, this comic suffers from the same problem as the movie where like there's too many characters and you don't, care about them and there's not enough time to to give them all a moment and they don't do a good job of that and harley quinn is really annoying in this oh my god also she's really annoying in her own comic but more on that later what the fuck why do people read harley quinn we have we have people that comment on our things i know and they're like uh agree to disagree i thought harley quinn was great and i I respect i respect everyone i respect everyone who, who likes her not very much, but I respect you. <laughs> uh, the Fallen, number one, is the uh, sequel to the Civil War II comic that we read last week, which was called The Accused. Mm-hmm. The Accused. Um, this is written by Greg Pak, art by Mark Bagley, um, and is kind of like um, the Hulk funeral issue. Mm. Um, these are always pretty boring and by numbers anyway, and this did not really change things up. I liked this better than The Accused, though, and this is easily the best work Mark Bagley has done in a while. Like, I loved Mark Bagley back in the day when he was doing, like, Spider-Man and stuff. Ultimate Spider-Man, yeah. But I haven't... He's just looked mad dated pretty much since then. But there's some there's some really, really nice stuff in this. Yeah, I, I have a theory that Mark Bagley draws with his feet. <laughs> well, this one was like, definitely so it's, it's drawn really, with his hands. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah I mean, this was pretty boring. It was just about people being, like... We're all sad about Bruce dying and um, people just dealing with that. And I, I liked checking in with the aliens from the Planet, Planet Hulk story. That was cool. I, I didn't, didn't realize that they were still on Earth this yeah, whole time. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. I want to read, read what they've been doing. They're cool. Since well, then. I really like those guys. Mm. Um, also, why did Bruce Banner have Jimi Hendrix's guitar? Also, why does Rick Jones play it with his right hand? Jimi Hendrix is fucking left-handed. Good point. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Um, yeah, this was... Uh, this is, Real shit. <laughs> that part. That was that was really dumb. He basically, uh, uh, they 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 see the video will of David Banner, mm. and he leaves you know like money and the chance to set up new identities and uh, the chance to get back home if you're an alien stuck on Earth. Mm. And then to Rick Jones, he just goes, "Jimi Hendrix's guitar." 
And then he gives Show me the story in which the Hulk somehow gets Jimi Hendrix's guitar. Yeah, that's more interesting. Also, he gives everyone like an egg timer to be like, everyone, next time you're feeling angry, set it for three minutes. And if you still feel like doing your angry thing, then, then you should do it. But you just need some time to think it over, which I don't think has been the Hulk's like thing ever. No. Yeah, they love kind of reinventing things after they die. Yeah. Um, but looks, it kind of ends with um, the totally awesome Hulk. Uh, everyone else, ring, like, you know, spins their, ti- their timer. And decides that revenge is not the way. But um, everyone except... Uh, Amadeus what, Cho. Amadeus Cho, who d- decides to go... I mean, this is the best panel. The best, pa- yeah. the best moment is him bounding through the desert. I love that Hulk bound. Yeah, it's the best. Um, I wish I could travel like that. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, is it, does this mean we're going to see... Him featuring in Civil War 2 more heavily. I mean, we've got to assume that the Hulk they saw destroying everything is still Amadeus Joe and that's still going to happen. You know, like, I just think that's still going to be the way Civil War ends. So this is clearly what happens. So Civil War 2 might actually end up being a commentary about, hey, Marvel, it's gotten quite confusing how there are two of everything now. (laughs) Maybe. But then they'll get rid of all of their diverse characters. So I'm down with them having two of everything. Uh, the last page in which they say, see what happens to Amadeus Cho. See how he reacts in Totally Awesome Hulk number nine. Mm. Have you already spoken about that issue? <coughs> or is that to come out already? Um, I don't think that's actually come out yet, but okay, I have cool. read the last couple. I, of I, keep, I keep forgetting that Del Mondo is drawing Hulk now. And I, I, really I need good. to read it. Okay, cool. It's really right. nice. You know what was not really good? Tell me. Spawn kills everyone. Agreed. And uh, this begins my weird rant about image this week. Uh, so Spawn. Written by Todd McFarlane, and this is actually written by Todd McFarlane, creator of Spawn and creator of a whole bunch of weird action figures. <laughs> uh, and drawn by J.J. Uh, Kirby. Doing no, his best Scotty n- Young impression. No relation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why, why, why someone with the last name of Kirby would be more influenced by Scotty Young than not Jack Kirby is beyond me. Yeah. Uh, but this is like... He draws, also, he draws Todd McFarlane way more handsome than Todd McFarlane actually is in real life. No offense, Todd McFarlane. So I love... Like the Punisher kills the Marvel Universe one shot that Garth Ennis did in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Have you read that? It's real stupid, uh, but no, it's super fun. It, but... And it has, like, even though it's, you know, all about the carnage of him destroying all those superheroes in, in the mm. Marvel U, you know, it has this, like, sweet heart to it. Mm. Um, and, like, a big kind of, like, oh shit moment at the end. Whereas, like, now when they do this, even, you know, they do the Deadpool kills everyone issues. Mm-hmm. And it's just about the gag of seeing him kill people, while, kill famous superheroes while saying something nutty as he kills them. Um, it's a winning formula. This is this piece of trash comic <laughs> is about a cute little spawn going to Comic Con and mowing down all the cosplayers. all the cosplayers dressed as like straight up. It's like I don't know if he maybe like made an agreement with Disney that he could use uh, like characters like the Hulk and and Daredevil, sorry, and Deadpool, and then Vader and Yoda, mm. and then like kill people dressed up as them mm. or he's just like fuck it come at me marvel yeah i did so much good stuff for you i can do whatever i want um this is like i don't know i just thought this was really gross it wasn't very funny and um they're also there's like this is a big week for poo jokes and fart jokes yeah also i'm not into like i'm not into the i feel like there's been quite a few like comedy comics set at conventions yeah. recently so this is like he goes to san diego and kills a whole bunch of cosplayers and then kills todd mcfarlane which i only just saw because i only read the first two pages and then went you know what not for me <laughs> um yeah it has it has corn sitting on the toilet and then and then there's noise there's like noises that say plop plop and it was so wordy for such a stupid like yeah really really stupid comic 
And like it, yeah. too much, too much um, effort required. Like this me. made the um, uh, who writes the Goon again? Eric Powell. Eric, Eric Powell's uh, sodomy ba- baby mm. um, that I that I spoke about. This makes that look like a like like a beautiful you know poetry, poetry and, and, and an incredible novella. Yeah. Um, compared to this, this was just trite. And if it did it came out ten years ago, it'd still be pretty bad. But at least it wouldn't have been like tropes of this kind of meta genre. Yeah done a million times yeah there's even like a weird political statement in which he swaps the heads of red skull and donald trump good stuff Uh, i mean it's just that really biting satire that i come to spawn comics for (laughs) i was actually kind of like oh cool i'm gonna read a spawn comic that'll be fun yeah i was like oh a spawn comic written by todd mcfarlane that's surely like what you want to read and uh, if you're gonna read a spawn if you have if you have to read a spawn comic yeah don't read this everybody Read something else. Yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, Demonic Number 1 was another uh, new series that started over at Image this week and uh, is written by Christopher Sabella and art by Nico Walter and Dan Brown. It's based, it's been created by Robert Kirkman and Mark Silvestri. Oh, there you go. Did they create this ages ago? I don't or? know. I have no clue. Although it makes a lot more sense now. <clears throat> so Mark I want, Silvestri was involved in this. I wasn't mad for this comic. Basically, it's about a, um, uh, a father who has a sick child and a mm-hmm. failing marriage. He's a detective. Um, and he's possibly having a fling with his partner, um, mm-hmm. and uh, or he is, um, or he had <laughs> had or something like that. But um, he has like a, a supernatural linked past in which a demon would contact him, and and the demon remakes contact and basically forces him to that if he wants his daughter to be healthy, he has to kill for this demon. Mm. And if this came out four weeks ago. It would have come out before Kill or Be Killed by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips came out, in which a slightly similar scenario, in which a demon basically says, if you want to live or if you want someone to live, you have to kill for me, happens. Mm. That was done in a way where I didn't see it coming and the supernatural element, I was like, oh, what the hell? Not yeah. expecting it. And then by the end, I was like, you know what? I'm on board with this, sure. Mm. Whereas this was just kind of like, you kind of, it has a really exciting intro um, in which they kind of, the, the two detectives, uh, like there's a sting on, on a woman who seems possessed by a devil. Um, that's really great and really establishes the main character quite well. But by the end of this comic, I was just like, I do not, I do not care for this series, Sam I Am. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, I thought, it, I thought it was okay. It was very wordy. Like, that, that's not a bad thing. Like, I'm not, I'm not anti-words. Um, but then the, in particular, the demon was wordy. Yeah. Wordy demons can shut up. And like a, like a stupid sexy lady demon and like, yeah. I don't know. And yeah. also look at like his costume once he's finally sort of like, all right, fine, I will be a demon killing guy for you. It's like like the most hilarious 90s crow inspired like sleeveless vest with straps all over it and long like Freddy Krueger nails. Yeah. I mean, it's so, a little bit stupid. So wait, did, is this something that Kirkman and Sylvester did ages ago that they're revisiting? Like a... Actually, like they did, like the image did with Glory a few years ago. Uh, maybe. Let me just let me let me do a bit of research. Look up a little bit of Robert Kirkman, Mark Silvestri, demonic. Because yeah, I, I if this is something that 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 Kirkman's created recently, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a bit worried about Robbie Robbie Kirk at the moment because these kind of like broad supernatural comics that like Outcast and this, I, I don't find them anywhere near as successful as other series, especially uh, Invincible, which he just announced this week is going to end with issue 144. Yeah, huge news. That's crazy. Um, Sorry, my internet's not really working. No, it's, it's fine. Okay, so it was a it was a one-shot in 2010. There you go. Right. 
So this is going to be a six-issue miniseries. Um, look, I, I, I think it is unfortunate that it came out at the same like soon after Kill or Be Killed because the oh, concept I mean, n- is now that I know that, similar. Yeah, maybe the concept you know it's something that was established in 2010. Maybe if I did read that, if you've read the the uh, initial one shot and, and uh, enjoyed this as well, let us know. Serious issues at kingscomics.com. And um, I quite liked the art, so oh, I will. Sick. I will oh, so good. continue to Can read this, this? Sorry, maybe I'll stick for the next issue at least. Cool. I, I want to really like Christopher Sabella because he is a fun presence on Twitter. And, and he uh, has... that, that's all you need to be for me to want to read your comics these <laughs> days. Backstages, number one, out through Boombox, which is their all-ages imprint through mm-hmm. Boom. Uh, this is written by James Tinian IV, who we're really enjoying at the moment on Detective Comics. Yep. And uh, art by Rian, or, yeah, Rian Sai. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, that sounds right. And uh, this is uh, pretty much like a um, like lumberjanes for dudes. Hey. Um, it's about a bunch of guys who. Um, well, it's about like, someone who can't fit in at a, at his high school, and his mom um, has to work work late, so she's forcing him to do an afternoon activity at his school while she works, and so he decides to apply for the drama club, but upon finding that uh, all of the drama club are like really demanding queenie dudes, mm-hmm. uh, in fact, all of the uh, all of the it's 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 an all boys school. Yeah. Um. Uh. So yeah, he then he's he's forced by these demanding actors to go out the back and find a prop for them, and in doing that, he finds the backstages, which is the crew who does who make all the magic happen on the stage. Except they hate all the actors, and there's like all this supernatural stuff happening backstage, and it's really fun and sweet and a little bit camp and yeah and, and good yeah. I mean, like, because I mean, boys are very well served by a sort of existing comics already but it's it's not normal to see this kind of range of male identity within an all-ages comic like there's definitely some characters who could be interpreted as queer or whatever Mm. um and i think that's really excellent i think this is really good fun i would definitely buy this for children of all ages and sexes yeah definitely and i'm going to keep reading it too because uh it it was Super fun. Yeah, really fun. Really cute, really funny, great, like, cartoony art. Reminds me of sort of Steven Universe-y style, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I um, I feel like, I, I don't know, I, I feel bad every time I see Lumberjanes on, this, on the shelf. Mm. Because I've read the first issue, and then I tried to read the Gotham Academy crossover as well. That's, yeah. It, it just doesn't, intro. It doesn't sit well with what the first issue isn't well, it doesn't, isn't a good intro. No, just reading the first issue and then skipping to Gotham Academy slash I, I just find all the dialogue completely unrealistic. And whereas yeah. this I actually I thought was spot on. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I like Lumber Jane's and I think that it's got an unbelievably huge following for a good reason. Definitely. No, I'm not criticizing that. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I've shortchanged it. That's, a, that's my issue here. Yeah, I also feel like, I mean, I'll probably read the next issue of Backstages and then forget about it because it is... Um, not for me in the sense that I am not a child. Sure. Which is like, I mean, I love lots of all ages comics. Goldie Vance is like what Space top of my file or top, top of my pile all the time. But, um, this will probably be another one that is not for me just cause it's sure in the same way. The lumberjanes is just, what about like Jonesy? It. Have you read that over at Boombox? No, people have mentioned it recently. Yeah, and look, it the, the, the cover of it looks really fun. Um, this, 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 uh, Child with massive hair looks real, real great, but it's mm. written by Sam Humphreys, who oh, cool. is writing Green Lanterns that we don't like. So mm. I don't know, maybe he's more suited to the all ages market. Mm. That was backstage as number one. Uh, I had one last number one. I did not read, read it. Yeah, I'm probably a good thing really. This one's yeah. called Jackboot and Iron Heel. I think I looked at the cover and went, you know what? Not for me. The cover sells the comic short. <laughs> so on the cover, it's like a, a like grizzly old war vet um, with a with a zombie Nazi, um, but the actual 
interiors almost look like Mark Mignola. Wow. Yeah, and it's about a guy who um, he gets called Jackboot because he or, or Iron Heel or whatever he was because um, yeah, he gets called Iron Heel because he he plays so- soccer. He's, he's in England, so he plays uh, football. And uh, he's a, for one, for one night only. He's he's a, he's a football star, and then the next day he gets drafted um, into World War One. And is it World War One? World War World War Two. Sorry, World War Two. And then once like then it kind of the rest of the story is. I mean, God, there's some incredible art in this. Yeah, wow, actually. incredible like um, landscapes and and just great use of shadow. Um, mm. But yeah, this, this basically involves him as a soldier crashing into Nazi territory. And um, as he's being held hostage, by, held prisoner by the Nazis, um, he is visited by the ghost of a dead Nazi who um, everyone knows, like everyone in the, in the battalion that, that are keeping him prisoner knows is dead. And they're like, why did you say his name was blah, blah, blah. And then he ends up, the zombie, the zombie soldier ends up visiting the Nazi forces and taking a few of them out. And that's what, that's what we're left at the end of this issue. Um, I'm going to keep with this. I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, that sounds cool. From an art point of view, especially. Yeah, the art's um, really incredible. And also, one of the guy gets be- a guy gets beheaded, but he gets cut. His head gets cut off from just above the jaw, so his tongue's still waggling in his neck. Hole. Awesome. Good fun, guys. <laughs> Good clean fun. Good clean beheading. <laughs> um, so that's uh, first things first this week. Um, oh, by the way, that was written and drawn by someone called Max Milgate. Oh wow, Jack written Pitt, and drawn. That's really impressive. Yeah. I'm always impressed by like um, someone who can both both write and draw. Hmm. Like uh, that Superwoman comic by Phil Jimenez that we were talking exactly. about last week. Super impressive. So now comes the time, a very, very great <coughs> part called Heads or Tails, in which uh, DC is heads and Marvel is tails. And uh, I'm going to flip this coin and we're going to find out who we're going to talk about next. Head, tails, that's tails. tails. So we're going to talk about Marvel this week first. Great. Um, nice. Let's start with the good stuff and then we'll talk about all the Civil War 2 tie-ins. <laughs> <coughs> so uh, we're going to start with a... Uh, Two of our absolute favorite mm-hmm. um, comics coming out of Marvel. Uh, two female superheroes that are written by a male creative team, but but do a fine job. But still writing. doing yeah, nailing yeah. it. Uh, so one of those is Black Widow, written by Mark Wade and uh, um, Chris Sumney, with art colors by Matt Wilson. Um, Matt Wilson is a really good colorist too. Matt Wilson is a very good colorist. Yeah, he, he did a lot lot of comics that I read, read mm. this week. Um, so this is uh, continuing on one of our favorite stories going on right now um, of, you know, all of Black Widow's secrets exposed to the Marvel Universe, mm-hmm. including one that links to Tony Stark's uh, history as Iron Man. Mm-hmm. It turns out she was uh, the agent who brought in uh, Jensen, who is the... Is it Jensen? Is that his name? Uh, Yinsen. Ho Yinsen. Professor mm-hmm. Ho Yinsen. And he's the guy who teaches Tony Stark how to make his Iron Man suit. Um, in the origin story of, of Iron Man. Um, mm. And I think that was really, really clever, li- li- linking a very young Black Widow to, mm-hmm. to that. Um, and so you think that this is all about, this this, this issue is all about uh, Iron Man tracking down Black Widow and, you know, trying to bring her in for the death of, you know, someone that's very important to his his life. But then, twist alert. Turns out she was using Tony all along to help infiltrate other people. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good, guys. I mean, like Chris Samney is. He's, I mean, the driving it is force. Unbelievable yeah. how good he is. Um, I read a really interesting article this week. I think on Comics Alliance, just talking about uh, comparing him to Alex Toth. I think mm. that's a really, really apt. Um, What's Alex Toth most famous for? What's Alex Toth most famous for, Jim? 
Oh, right. Sorry. Like, yeah. uh, uh, Alex Toth is, uh, we spoke about him recently with the uh, DC Hanna-Barbera stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, uh, he was he basically designed like Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Yep. Uh, sorry, Space Ghost, not Space Ghost. <laughs> That's the yep. Adult Swim thing. And, uh, and a great deal of, of the uh, properties that we're seeing pop up in that Future Quest comic. And he was just one of those like sort of um, in-house kind of people for DC for a long time in like the kind of golden era. Um, super... Like, super famous for his use of shadow. I think that would be, like, the main thing that he's kind of um, right. most known for. And yeah, that's what something that somebody uses in great effect. I mean, one, this is probably the best Black Widow comic that's ever been written. And two, it's yeah. one of the best spy comics I've ever read, too. Absolutely. I feel like we're so spoiled with, like, awesome spy comics at the moment with this and Velvet and the current James Bond run. Yep. There's so much for, like, if you love espionage. But this is probably the best of the bunch, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, definitely. Um, this is just super great. And again, it's just kind of like every issue, like, oh, wow. Like every issue wraps up nicely mm-hmm. and then and then you're like, what the fuck's going to happen next? Yeah, it's so crazy. And like the end of this issue is so crazy and so cool. And you never like, it's, it's so cool to have it not, like you're constantly guessing what Natasha is up to because it's not told from her perspective. So we're yeah. not privy to like her thoughts or what's going on. So it's a constant surprise is like what she's doing. Definitely. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, Whereas Velvet, you know, is narrated by her. So, yeah. <coughs> yeah, you, you, you kind get more of, of an idea. Definitely. Um, I, I love this. I love this book. It's mm-hmm. really, really great. And the, the best thing about it is when you hit that final page and it doesn't say, next month, Civil War Two. Yeah, that's the best. I hope it doesn't tie in. Um, neither does The Mighty Thor. So yeah. maybe this, this is the key. This is the formula. This was also a great week for one of my all-time favorite things, which is speech bubbles on the comic cover. Yeah. I love that. I saw the previews for this and the Ultimates, which both, yeah. both use it. I thought there was like every every comic this week was going to use that, but <laughs> it was just, a, I guess, a coincidence that both of them had it. Um, yeah. There was a... There was a... There, they, didn't they do that hilarious thing in the New 52 court? They were going to call it What the Fuck Certified. Oh, something like and, that. And, and yes. And every every it was like a like a two panel reveal. Like it was like a fold in cover. Mm. And you, yeah, it was like you like you know, Batman pointing a gun at Superman, and then like you turn and it's like oh because he's this I don't know like, what yeah. the fuck certified. That's crazy. Um, Just showing how on the pulse of DC is. But hey, they also did the selfie cover month <laughs> as well. But I was pretty into that one. There was that yeah. brilliant one of uh, um, Batman sixty six where Batman is taking a selfie with a. Like a dial phone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, pretty good stuff. Pretty amazing. Um, So, yeah, uh, number 10 of The Mighty Thor, written by Jason Aaron with art by Russell Dorderman. Just continuing this incredible epic story that that Jason Aaron has been telling with Thor Mm -hmm. and telling in the Marvel Universe since he started there, too. Mm -hmm. You have characters that he he introduced in his Wolverine run show up and um, you've even got the the main um, antagonist from Original Sin in here. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's so great. There's so many crazy things going on in each issue. Russell Dorderman is just a treat. Oh, he's so good. And they, they seem like they're having so much fun with this comic. Like, a comic that deals with quite sort of serious things still manages to, like, push along a really, like, fast clip. And it's constantly moving and it's constantly funny. Like, I really... Like, they have the, the evil company corporation, Roxxon, have, like, their own hulks. Yeah. Who all shout, Roxxon, strongest company there is. Which <laughs> just really makes me laugh. It's really, really, really um, great. And that's the thing. Aaron is... A very good comedy writer. Yeah. Within these, like, you know, action and tragedy filled epics. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has one of the biggest what the fuck last pages. Which is, like, I mean, I feel like this is such. I really, really enjoy this because I feel like this is a totally classic. Like, this is. It reads like a classic Silver Age Superman story where. Super, like they're all like, ah, oh, we know that. We know that you're Clark Kent. But then Clark Kent also shows up and is like, what? And then you find out. 
you know, and then oh, just like what's happening in action comics at the moment, where they're, yeah. where they're, where they're like seven, seventeen Superman. Um, but so this, yeah, this was a really cool, like crazy last panel. Yeah, and just the, the whole build up happen? to it. Yeah, I, again, I, I have no idea what what happens in, in each following issue, and I'm very excited that we get the um, the Odinson comic very yes. soon as well, because uh, I want to see what's going on with with the old Thor. Totally. I love Jason Aaron on Thor. I think I, I I could read this forever. Yeah, he could write this forever. <laughs> he could he write. Does. I hope I hope Jane Foster Thor also hangs out for a little bit longer. Yeah, I mean, I see no need for her to go anywhere except mm. for the fact she has cancer and is dying. Mm. Yeah, totally. So that. The Uncanny Avengers number twelve by um, Jerry Duggan and Pete Laraz on art. Oh, it looks like I've got to read this issue. Um, maybe a good thing. Actually, no, I kind of <laughs> like this. This is um. Hey, uh, Lynn, you read this issue. Do you want to take over and guess, do a guess review? review? Guess review. Yeah, here we go. Give her a mic. <laughs> She's shaking her head, which I think means yes. Hey, 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 everybody. Oh, you didn't read it? Oh, no, fuck no, you, Lynn. I, Jesus. Oh yeah, she gave up. Okay, well, uh, I, I <laughs> won't. I, I won't tell you the ending, Lynn. But I will tell you that uh, this is an okay comic. Yeah. This is um uh, dealing with Ultron and Hank Pym. They they've merged. And they are one, and the rest of the Avengers are trying to work out if there's any actual, like you know, person, like any any part of Hank Pym that's truly within mm. Ultron, or if it's all Ultron. And it's a big old battle, and um, you know, everyone gets the better of everyone. And um, when they finally put Ultron down, no one feels good because they still feel like they've killed Hank Pym. Great. Um, and then there's a big reveal on what what this character has become by the end. Was Hank Pym even that cool, like as a dude? Okay, is well, he worth I, saving? <laughs> I don't like. I know that like he has that moment in which he you know beats up his wife, beats up his wife, and yeah. and then if you read the Ultimates version, he he sets wild ants on her. Yeah. Um. But he also started Avengers Academy. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And that I was love really Avengers cool. Academy, and so like I guess I kind of. And that really dealt with his redemption really well. Yeah. But I also felt slightly like they never really dealt, like, dealt with it, dealt with it. You know, it was just kind of like, and now he's, now he's nice again and it's all fine. No, because they they really, like, he, he had to make amends. Yeah. Um, You know, and then that, that whole run, it was all about, like, you know, Janet had died Mm. and, and uh, he was trying to find her and, Mm. yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like... I love doing Avengers Academy. I just think that's that like Hank's just not a character that's worth like like as just as a character. I don't think he's. I don't know why. I, I guess I kind of, it's the that. same reason I like David Banner because they're always Bruce Banner? playing Bruce Banner. Sorry, I, I think I said David Banner earlier. In the thing. Yeah, David Banner is fine. a great rapper too. Um, uh, but it's, they're always playing like second or well, like fifth f- fiddle to like yeah. Stark and and Reed Richards. Like they're never involved in the Illuminati and all mm. that kind of thing. And like. I don't know. I, th- I think that I kind of like the underdog geniuses that, that are those guys. Yeah, I feel that. I guess. Yeah. I just think that Scott, whatever his name is, Scott Lang. Scott Lang is a better. Oh, I mean, yeah, but is a better Ant Man. We can have two Ant Men. There were three at one point. Yeah, there's too many. <laughs> um, I, I really liked uh, that. Um, that that was Robert Kirkman on um, Irredeemable Ant Man. Yeah, I've never read that. It's but people tell me I really should. Um, did you read All New Inhumans? No, I, I. Lynn, made did you an read active. All New Inhumans? Guest review. Guest review. Guest review. I wasn't ready for this. You are. Come over here. Come on. This is the best issue ever. Everyone, actually welcoming Lynn from King's Comics, who was doing admin stuff at the desk next to us. Welcome to Serious Issues, Lynn. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> um, so, All New Inhumans, number 10. I just learned that this is the penultimate issue of this run. James Asmus had been, has been writing it since the uh, beginning of the year. Something like that. Something like you that. actually told me to read this comic. You, no, you I told you to read Uncanny. Oh, right. Okay, sure. Uncanny is infinitely better than all new. Way better. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, so 
and this is the, the annoying thing where I, I appreciate that this isn't part of Civil War Two, but also it's so far removed from the rest of the Marvel universe that I yeah, kind of don't care it's like about its own it. Little island thing. So you have the weird Inhumans that we barely know in all new Inhumans transported to a a, a, a weird place that has Inhumans in it, but they've not been exposed to the Terrigen mists. And I love that, like the biggest threat to Inhumans at the moment is just like this big w- and, and and mutants. It's just this big green it's really cloud, cloud. Yeah, it goes that kind around, of travels like, around the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So this is like kind of ra- wrapped things up on this thing. I do like um, it, this has a uh, Craven's daughter in it. Yeah, yeah. Anna, I think she's cool. Yeah. Anna, Anna, Anna Maxima. What is her name? Kravinoff. Yeah, whatever Craven's last name is. <laughs> the hunter. <laughs> the hunter. <laughs> yeah. Anna the hunter. Yeah. yeah. Um, but. So this this series is ending with the next issue. Yeah. Um, what do you think about Inhumans in general? Like, do you think they will ever be as big as mutants in the Marvel universe, or is that just crazy talk? I don't know. I feel like at the start, actually, at the start, I really didn't like the Inhumans. I was like, they're just a ripoff of the X Men. But then, X Men series is like sucking. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Uncanny Inhumans yeah. is really good um, yeah. at the moment. Yeah, um, I feel like Marvel's just trying really hard to make Inhumans a thing. So eventually they'll be popular, more popular than mutants. If the Terrigen Cloud is killing mutants and stuff. Hold on, Siobhan's got. We only got, only got two mics. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Lynn. Everyone, round of applause for Lynn. Yeah, hey. Lynn. Best, best guest oh. review, best and only guest reviews ever. I feel like the problem with the Inhumans is that like they have iconic Inhumans and they're not using them especially well they're just bringing in loads and loads of new ones trying to be like look they're cool they're just like mutants but like there's no rogue there's no storm oh, no, like there's no one as yeah. cool medusa's cool yeah medusa's cool like the original jack kirby characters are great also the black the- bolt just shows up in the background like with his club give me an actual series about black bolt gorgon's cool yeah actually no i, I said that last week I, I want a black bolt series real bad yeah. but gorgon's really cool so they crippled him yeah yeah totally like i, I just None of the characters that they brought in yet are as compelling as any of the X-Men. The core concept is not as, like, fundamentally compelling as the X-Men. Like, it's just, they're not they're not a one-for-one replacement. Anna Kravinoff is pretty great. Yeah, she's, <coughs> she's cool. Is she but a human now? She, apparently she is. So, yeah, that, that, there's that. So, that might be cool. That's she has, cool. I don't know what her powers are yet, but it looks pretty fun. Green stuff. Mm. Powers are green stuff. Um, yeah, I'm very glad that this, this arc is over, but I'm kind of like, oh, right, now one more issue and that's the end of this. So... Have we got lots of? Are we only going to have Uncanny Inhumans after Civil War Two is finished? I don't remember the. Uh, yeah, I don't know actually. Solicitations, anyway. Blah blah. blah. Who cares? Inhumans. I care. I love this show. <laughs> I love all comics. All right, now we're going to talk about Civil War Two. God damn, were there a lot of tie-ins this week? <clears throat> so we're going to be talking about a few of the regular issues that had to shoehorn in the Civil War Two stuff, mm-hmm. and whether or not we thought that they did them well. And then we're going to talk about the actual, you know, the only thing the, the, the proper Civil War Two tie-in miniseries. Um, so about Ultimates Ten Civil War Two, mm-hmm. which uh, has done a great job of actually shoehorning in the, the uh, and to make it meaningful in the overall story that, that the series is trying to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, this issue had uh, two artists working on it. And this is unfortunate because Kenneth Rockefort, who does it main, does the main, does it this series, you know, month to month. Mm-hmm. He only did like four pages, and then the rest of it was filled in by this guy, someone called Jabril Morissette. It's a good name. I'm glad you you, you pronounce it, not me. Um, and uh, the art's fine, but it just pales in comparison to what I'm used to with this series. Yeah, like I mean, I think the thing that's so obvious when you switch from the Morissette pages to the Rockefeller pages is how much more interesting 
Kenneth Rockford is in terms of panel layout and storytelling. Like it's a much more, and he's he's got a very specific look for this series, like all the kind of jagged edges and the feeling that everything's happening sort of in this interdimensional space yes. station comes across super strongly just by you know the way he lays out his panels and everything else. Um, I still like it though. It it has a very sort of simple in that kind of Chris Samney school, I think. Yeah. Um, which I still like, but it is slightly jarring to go from the yeah, one well, I mean, to the other. Roquefort drew all the kind of... Uh, Roquefort, Roquefort, I don't know. Rockefeller. Uh, <laughs> he, he drew all of the quite spacey stuff, whereas there's also a trial going on and a lot of stuff set on Earth. And mm-hmm. so that was what um, uh, Morissette drew in, within this. Um, the actual dealing with um, the, 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 the kind of main part of this story is about all of the different members of the Ultimates and are they on Captain Marvel's side as, mm. as she interrogates someone with a suitcase mm-hmm. or not. That kind of stuff was kind of boring. But the more exciting part of this is um, that um, Thanos is um, controlling one of their very, very overpowered prisoners mm-hmm. and convinces him to escape and therefore lets Thanos escape at the end of this. So Thanos is kind of the cause for everything that we've seen in Civil War Two so far. Yep. So with him on the loose, that's going to be fun. Yeah, super interesting. I think, I think the bit, like, because they're all arguing, blah, blah, blah. And then um, America Chavez. Chavez decides that the way to, like, tell Captain Marvel that she is not on her side is to pick up a chair and hit her <laughs> in the it, head yeah. with it, which is pretty hilarious. Um, so then everyone starts fighting. Yeah, I mean, this this uh, is called Breaking Point, this arc. So, yeah. I like that the Ultimates, like, the main two villains in this so far have been Galactus and Thanos. That's, that's mm. not bad. That's, yeah. that's a good way to be. Good way, good um, good ultimates. So yeah, I mean, ultimates is normally a lot better than this issue. I thought I'm going to say I'm going to give put my put my put this down as uh, would have been better if it was not tying into Civil War Two. Absolutely. We move on to Captain America twelve, Sam Wilson, Captain America. That is, mm-hmm. and um, this is doing a great job of tying into Civil War Two. I think absolutely. Because I, I think that the key is don't actually have like the kind of whose side are you on part factor into your story as much mm. as. Um, the Ultimates did have, you know. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
are the small elements that are introduced, you know, is it, you know, the, the predicting crime thing and the consequences mm-hmm. of that, that's, that's a good thing to kind of hint on. Um, the predicting the future, that kind of thing. And, you know, something that, that, that like maybe spinning off a vision of what you've seen as we've seen with the, uh, Civil War 2 Spider-Man arc. Um, and it's, it's kind of cool because the themes of Civil War 2 do tie in quite neatly to what Nick Spencer is doing in the comic. Yeah. Anyway, like, um, you know, a lot of people have criticized Nick Spencer for like, you know, saying that he's being too political and commenting on things that are happening right now. But he has had these issues written for like over a year because totally. that's the way comics work. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so, goddamn, if this isn't great, like, yeah, this is this, is, mean, this has become this has gone from like I don't really know if I liked um, Nick Spencer's Captain America to being like one of the first Marvel comics I read each month, each week. Yeah, whenever it's out, um, um, it is really good. And Daniel Acuna is so good. Yes, the art is oh, so God, so so incredible. It might be a big reason why, but I love that they've. They've brought back U.S. Agent, mm-hmm. who uh, has been a military figure. Um, he, he, at one point, uh, his, his backstory, he, he takes up the, the mantle of Captain America for a while and goes yeah. crazy. Is that... Uh, I don't know. I I'm think it happens to a lot of I'm people. I'm not super familiar with case, U.S. Agent. Um, he gets brought back to basically take Falcon down. And at first, he doesn't want to. Basically saying, like, you know, like I don't really agree with what he's doing, but, you know, this isn't my fight. And I liked that stance. I thought totally. that was cool. But basically, like, the shady government who, who want no part of a black Captain America convince him otherwise. And so it looks like um, Cap is going to have to deal with US agent. Um, but I reckon he'll be able to turn, change his mind and they'll be fighting side by side by the end of the next issue. And, I'm, and, I, I, and like, you know, don't call me Ulysses because I can predict the future like that. But uh, so No one was going to. <laughs> sometimes that, that trope is, is actually appealing. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, no. I mean, the, the fight and then make up is a classic of the comic book genre. Also, so. I love that... Like, you know, you have this very grounded um, take on Captain America with a lot of, like, reflections on what's happening for for black Americans in society yeah. at the moment. But then you also have a, you know, Captain America who can summon the power of birds. Yeah, yeah. isn't that cool? It's the best. It's what it was always missing from the cap, <laughs> the ability to call seagulls. Um, yeah, this is a really great series. And uh, anyone who criticizes it can shut the fuck up. <laughs> Um, Spider-Woman 10. Oh, yes, I will say Captain America 12 using Civil War 2 to its advantage. Agreed. That's the judgment. Um, If you don't agree, shut the fuck up. Uh, Spider-Woman number 10, uh, Dennis Hopeless and um, Javier (laughs) Rodriguez um, on layouts this week and art by, well, finishing by um, Veronica Fish, who's doing Archie at the moment. That makes a lot of sense. Who also did the the, uh, Black Canary series that I liked. Right, sure. So I quite liked this issue. I loved this issue. This was really funny. This is, um, yeah, again, a, 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 um, Dennis Hopeless does a great job of um, balancing humor and, and drama yeah. within this comic. And uh, the character of Spider-Woman is, she's just the she's best. She's so cool. Jessica I want to be her friend. She's so great. <laughs> um, and she, you know, she actively wants to sit out the Civil War too, but mm-hmm. um, Captain Marvel has tasked her with some kind of like low risk visions of the future that Ulysses has given her to see if they've all come true. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so a lot of it is just her jumping from scenario to scenario and going like, true, 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 true. And then they find one that might be false, but then they actively see it becoming true in front of their eyes. Uh, also, this is great because Ben Urich is a is like her kind of sidekick mm-hmm. in this issue. And it's great. And holy shit, if the middle, the middle page spread mm. of, of uh, Ben Urich, like but just jumping into a heroic pose to save an old lady falling while um, Jessica Drew saves an old man. It's just phenomenal. Yeah, um, really good. And I, I really enjoyed the, like, it still looks just like Spider-Woman has so far, 
but it just has like this, like you know Fisher's kind of sketchier inks within mm. it. I think it works really well. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm definitely going to say that even though this was way too reliant on what was actually happening in the Civil Talk, Civil War Two series, like the whole final kind of four, final pages are basically Jessica Drew re- re- reacting to the news about Hawkeye and the Hulk. Um, I still think that they they use the event to its advantage in a Absolutely. good way. Absolutely, they yeah. do a good job. I think one of the most interesting things about this issue is the fact that Jessica Drew appears to still have a Nokia like. Oh yeah, th- that's, that's been, not just this issue. This whole this whole series, she's had a shitty piece of shit phone. I think they address it earlier on. She can like, but it has voice command because she's like call Carol Danvers <laughs> and it calls. Anyway, in the Marvel universe, Nokia <laughs> is still making. Uh, piece of shit phones with advanced technology besides the screen. But I like that they even like she threw it through a window and it still was working. You're yeah. like that's accurate. That's, that's accurate. true. <laughs> um, next month we get uh, it's still tying into Civil War two, but we get a Franca Francesco Francavia cover, Woo. which is very exciting, very pretty. Um, either that or someone who looks remarkably like Francesco Francavia. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I really liked this issue a yeah, lot. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, Using Civil War to its advantage well, I mean, and telling a fun story. Also, like Jessica Drew is a character that calls things out for being shit when they are shit. And she Absolutely. does exactly that in regards to Civil War 2 a few times. Yeah. So that's fun. Nice. Um, <clears throat> Power Man and Iron Fist, number seven. Uh, again, I think using Civil War 2 really well. Mm-hmm. Danny Rand is in jail. Um, again, this is written by um, uh, David Walker um, and art by the team up of Sanford Green and Flaviano. Mm-hmm. My favorite name in comics this year. It's a great name. Um and this is basically like Danny Rand um, surrounded by people that he's helped incarcerate as he's in prison um, and they're starting to recognize who he is while um, uh, Luke Cage works out a way to try and get him out and you have Jessica um, Jessica Jones helping out. And I mean, this just just like, it just feels like a natural story that, uh, you know, doesn't, doesn't rely on what's happening in Civil War 2 beyond the fact that some of the people that... Danny Rand is incarcerated with, and the reason he's gone to jail is because of a prediction that Ulysses had. Exactly. So it's done done really well. Um, this is this is going to be one of my favorite series of the year, I think for sure. And more importantly, I think David Walker has cemented himself as one of my favorite creators this year too. Yeah, he's doing amazing work. This is this is frequently like one of the funnest comics that pick, that we pick up each week, and um, we also really like his stuff that he's doing with Nighthawk too. Absolutely, and like shows, um, he has such great range as a writer that he can go from writing what's pretty much like a straight up comedy book um, with like awesome action and um, good serious moments too, but then to go and write something that's sort of like an ultra violent Punisher style comic, yeah, is um is super cool. And at the end of this issue, we see that Captain Marvel is sending a, a task force of Deathlock, Mockingbird, Storm, Spectrum, and Puck. That is a good team up. It's a good team up to go take down uh, Power Man and Iron Fist. So, looking forward to that. Mockingbird, speaking of her, uh, number six of her um, series came out, written by um, Chelsea Kane. With Another art by, freaking Civil War Two tie-in. Yep, yeah, these are all Civil War Two mm. tie-ins for the rest for the rest of our, our Marvel review until we get to Star Wars. Uh, and uh, art by Kate Niemczyk. I loved this issue so much. It's so good. Um. You, I can't you, believe more people aren't reading Mockingbird. It's so funny and so good, and the art is so great. Hey, Lynn, are you reading Mockingbird? No, she's on the phone. She's on the phone. Fucking Lynn. She's <laughs> worst guest ever. Personal call. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, this basically documents um, 
uh, Mockingbird's adventures as she's invited to be on a cruise mm-hmm. by a mysterious individual who says it's to assist Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Um, and she does it not because she thinks she can assist Hawkeye, but because she needs to get away from the trial of Hawkeye. And um, she wants to know who has sent her a free, like, cruise. Yeah. Totally. And so this is like her trying to enjoy herself on a weird cruise surrounded by cosplayers dressing up like different heroes that she's, you know, knows personally. Mm. And also her just trying to unwind and um, link back up with, uh, what's this guy who's not Hawkeye? Um, Some spy guy. No, he's, yeah, he's, he's been in the series quite often. Uh, God damn it. What's his name? Hunter. Again? Hunter. Hunter something. Took a while. Uh, yeah, yeah. But so he, I guess he's like a past love of Mockingbird. He's, he's shown up in this series before. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's some just great, great comic, comedic beats to this series, to this story. I mean, every issue has been really funny. But I think it's, yeah, uh, this is the first one that's like to be continued of mm-hmm. this series so far. And the first five were all issues that you could read out of order if you wanted to. Um, but it, I think this is, this, this is like a really cool way to kind of, you know, ha- even just having a hero escape what's happening with Civil War 2 is, is a good way to tie into the series. So, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it makes it so that she, they can still tell the story that they've been trying to tell this whole time um, without too much interference from Civil War 2. Definitely. And it looks like this series is going to end kind of soon, which is a real bummer. But it's hopefully, they, I mean, Marvel would be so stupid if they didn't keep Chelsea Kane on it as a regular writer. I know, just right? Just like every every 12 issues, just give her a new Marvel superhero and she can just write a weird, a weird you know, insular yeah. story about them. Absolutely. So yeah. incredible. All New Wolverine, number 11, written by Tom Taylor, with art by Iguara. Iguara. Iguara, I don't know. Um, one of my favorite covers, because I feel like it's supposed to be parodying the um, classic Wonder Woman Hikatia cover, where Wonder Woman is standing on Batman's face. Oof. Um, in this one, uh, Wolverine is standing on Captain America's face. Um, this one ties directly into Civil War 2 in mm-hmm. that um, Ulysses had a premonition that Old Man Logan, who is currently staying with Wolverine... Um, kills the the young clone of Laura um, and so the, Captain America and a team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents go to basically take down Old Man Logan before the prophecy can come, well the vision can come true and uh, the whole time you're like surely this vision isn't going to come true because it just seems at odds with everything that's going on Old Man Logan seems to be you know quite good. Seems to be an okay guy and uh, unfortunately it does come true by the end. Well she doesn't kill him we don't know if he's killed her but yeah um, I almost like I, I loved the, uh, it's brilliant action comic, mm. um, really really great. Uh, and even though I love Cap, I love when the underdog outsmarts Cap. Totally. I hate that Cap's kind of on. Didn't Cap come out as not on Captain Marvel's side? Yeah. I don't know. I can't remember. No, because Iron Man, he, Captain America is on Iron Man's side in in, oh, in, yeah, the, in the main series. So why Very is he? Confusing. Maybe this is set before. He just before does what the man decision. tells him to do. Um, but yeah, I really liked. Uh, um, Wolverine taking him out with a bunch of tranquilizers. Uh, I kind of was was bummed out that the that the vision does come true. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I sort of feel like this is one of the comics that feels slightly more like it has been derailed by Civil War yep. Two. I think that what Tom Taylor was doing was like brilliant, and I was really, really enjoying it. And I feel like this is a little bit, um, a little bit disappointing. The next issue is called Gabby R.I.P. So, no. you think she's going to survive? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Um, now we're going to talk about the final tie-ins. Um, these are like the actual dedicated Civil War II um, colon th- series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> these are real colony, these books. Um, starting with Choosing Sides, number four, which is the anthology um, book. Um, really, this is just an excuse to make me read a bunch of shit stories before I read a really great uh, Nick Fury story written, by, uh, written and drawn by Declan Shalvey. 
Yeah. Um, with Colors by Geordie Belair. Why didn't we just get like a Nick Fury miniseries? I know, it's, right? it, I hate it. I hate that every single event they're like, oh, we better check in with Power Pack. Fuck Power Pack. Who gives a shit about Power Pack? And it's disappointing because I didn't realize that this was written by John Allison, who has been writing webcomics forever and writes Bad Machinery. And I love that he's getting mainstream work. But this was a shit Power Pack mini story. That so added bad. Nothing. Added nothing. Gave to- nothing. I guess if you have some kind of bizarre, really intense affection for Power Pack, it's cool to check in with them. Jim has an affection for Power Pack, apparently. Did you enjoy this, Jim? No. There you go. Great, cool, great. Even okay. Jim didn't enjoy it. Um, and then we also get like a pretty like boring by the numbers Punisher story. That, yeah. that, again, doesn't bring anything to the story, doesn't bring anything to the character of Punisher. Yeah. But I'm really Spills enjoying... Spills a couple of pages. <laughs> every, every Choosing Sides issue, we get a, a brilliant Declan Shalvey. Like, you know, it sucks that we're getting it broken up into eight pages at a time, but they are phenomenal eight pages each time. This one it was kind of like a basically like a stealth... Wordless comic mm-hmm. about um, Black Widow, uh, Nick Fury trying to escape Black Widow because he, uh, why I can't remember why because of this stupid yeah, format. Yeah, I can't remember what he's doing. I have to go back and read all what these his issues. mission is. I hope they they just collect all of these in the future in like some weird Nick Fury book. Yeah, that would be cool because it's a really really great story that would definitely benefit by being read, like read without a bunch of power pack bullshit before it. Totally, and I would love like I mean if if this if this is enough to get Declan Shalvey writing a Nick Fury comic, that would be sick. Yeah, I mean, look, we've gotten a Nick Fury backup and a Batman backup, both written by Declan Shelby in the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. That's good enough, but I would like a, a longer title. Yeah, yeah, just give him, him his own title. Please. <clears throat> um, Amazing Spider-Man, number three. Um, oh, I didn't Sorry, Civil this. War, Amazing Spider-Man. It's not actually Amazing Spider-Man. I've uh, written by Christos Gage with art by Travel Foreman. Um, this is, like, it's kind of cool. It's basically about, like, Ulysses gets a vision of, one of the one of Parker's ex villains that he's now hired as an employee, reverting back to being a villain, and then Peter Parker, basically like you know, is having an argument within his head. If if he's the catalyst that that like if if he approaches him, is he the one that brings the the villain out in him, or you know, does is it just happen anyway? Yeah, which is kind of annoying because that does seem to be the way a lot of these Civil War yeah. two scenarios have like played out that the actual event is caused by people reacting preemptively to the event. But we've said before, Crystal Gage is very capable at writing like the bare minimum of a mm-hmm. story of like, you know, you know what? I'm not reading the, the main amazing Spider-Man series at the moment. Mm-hmm. I may as well like dip my toe in the Spider-Man world and this, you know, whets your appetite in that yeah. regard. It's a bit slow, but it's, it's fun enough. Okay. Um, Gods of War number three, which is the Hercules tie-in uh, is nowhere near as interesting as the actual Hercules series was mm. when it started, written by Dan Abnett. Still written by Dan Abnett. I think still with the whole same creative team, but it's just way too reliant on this like weird bonus mission that Hercules is, is having on the side of Civil War Two, while still trying to tie into Civil War Two. and I feel like the overall story has been weakened because of that. Mm. Thoughts? Did you read it? I didn't read it. Oh, you didn't read didn't any read of these. <laughs> no, I didn't read any of these. Somehow I missed them. Finally, Civil War Two X-Men number three, is just not worth your time at yeah, all. Yeah, I made the decision. Act Like, I even brought that one home and I went, you know what, I'm just not going to read this. Yeah, cool. fuck it. Um, this one showed up in my bag this week and I was oh, like, who put that there? I'll still read it anyway. Why did I read that? <laughs> and that will be a, uh, a theme that, that continues on into hey, this very long episode. I did a bad job at ruining things from the order. Um, final comic from Marvel today. God, this is a big week. We, did we, did we say that at the beginning? Um, Poe Dameron, number five. Written by Charles Stuhl and art by Charles Stuhl, sorry Charles Stuhl, <laughs> and uh, art by Phil Noto. Um, I have complained about this comic in the past, but I thought this issue was fine. Yeah, fine. Um, I still haven't seen anyone have a grasp 
a good grasp of a bunch of droids that can't talk. Mm. Um, having a compelling act, you know, arc. This one we see BB-8 and the other um, droids from the various X-wings from uh, Pogue's mates. Poe, Pogue, Pogue Dameron. <laughs> um, you, you see BB-8 and his team of droids try and. Um, they like ambush some guys. Yeah, yeah. Which was like I like the visual of just a droid falling onto some dude's head. Totally. But it's <laughs> it's good. still, I don't know, it, it just seeing beep, beep, boop, weep. Like instead of hearing it, is, I don't know, for some reason it just it doesn't convey enough robot mm, emotion. It's true. But this is still, I like this a lot more than I did two issues ago. So Absolutely. there's that. And Phil Noto is still, still great. All right, cool. Now we talk about Heads, which is DC Comics this week. Slightly less Woo. DC Comics than Marvel. God, we, we were reading a lot of Marvel. I, I, yeah. We complain a lot about how many DC Comics we're reading. We're definitely reading way too many Marvel too. Yeah, Civil War 2 is... Batman number five. This is the final, the final issue of the first arc, written by Tom King, with art by David Finch. Mm-hmm. Before we talk about the story, can we just like give a little round of applause to David Finch for doing the least hateable artwork he's ever done Yay. in his life? Congrats, David. Finch. Um, also, being the same penciler for this entire arc, and I think he's one of the few uh, artists working on a series in Rebirth that's been able to do that without yeah. having a fill-in. Super so, impressive. So uh, really impressive. Even though there was like a like about five inkers on this one. Um, Really? I think he needs it. A couple of inkers. Um, yeah, three inkers. Um, four inkers, including Finch. There you go. But this was just such a goddamn fun yeah. issue. Um, you might argue that the arc of Gotham and Gotham Girl has been quite fast. But like I predicted last week, this is an origin story for a new character mm-hmm. in Gotham Girl. Yep. And we're getting a year one story from her for the next issue of Batman, Batman number six. So that'll be pretty fun. Absolutely. Uh, this, did you notice that this this book jumps far forward into the into a future at mm. the end, and and, and, and uh, Duke predicts predicts yeah. or talks about killing Batman. I know. And I love ma- some marrying good, Gotham Girl. I love a good like crazy foreshadowing of like ah, remember this time when things were still good before yeah. everything went terrible and we destroyed the world. Awesome. So uh, yeah, the, I mean, looks like. The, the way that Batman is, is setting up Duke to be a different kind of uh, superhero that isn't Robin, different kind of sidekick, is a psychic that kills him. Great work, Batman. Great work. Um, but the most fun part of this story is um, Batman requesting that Alfred take the mantle of the bat for so a big, while, while oh Batman goodness. rushes to the scene. And you have this incredibly narrated by, um, like, basically uh, Alfred saying, re- recounting. Uh, agreeing to Thomas Wayne to look after Bruce and um, kind of going through all of the variants that he would variables that he would have to say yes to in in, in taking that decision and uh, never realizing that he at one point he would have to dress up as a bat and drive the Batmobile into a superpowered being. And there's nothing like it's really genuinely funny seeing like little skinny Alfred with his little mustache in the in the cowl. And then running away from, from this <laughs> superpowered Gotham. Yeah, this is just a really fun issue. and, and Really fun. A lot more fun than I thought this arc was going to end as well. Mm. Like, I mean, you still have the, the, the death of the villain, but um, it's it, 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 it's a, a lot of fun. Really enjoyable. And also really cool, the, the they, they took this um, this crazy, I don't know, is it, is it so the, the, the technology that gave Gotham and Gotham Girl their powers is that they, they can either... Basically, it shortens their life every time they use their powers, but mm. to the point where they can be like a superhero and and only live for a couple of years, or they can be a god and only live for a couple of hours. Yeah. And so that basically, when when Batman sends the entire Justice League to take Gotham down, mm-hmm. he chooses to be a god, and so no one can defeat him except Gotham Girl. 
really, very, really yeah. cool, cool, cool things. And I'm looking forward to uh, rereading this arc at the end of Tom King's run, which mm-hmm. hopefully is very long. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed Batman by Tom King. Yeah, it continues to just be super excellent. Yep. So too does Superman, which uh, again, unfortunately, was not um, drawn by Thomas Gle- by uh, Patrick Gleason. But Doug Mankey does. Yeah, does and- a good. Good job, and Doug Mankey's like someone who I would, you know, put in the same kind of school as. Absolutely, Patrick Gleason. He, he's in fact he's he's filled in and, and drawn stuff alongside Patrick Gleason and for Thomas uh, Peter Tomasi in the past. Um, this uh, basically expelled any complaint I had about the Eradicator in the totally. past. Totally, look at this sexy Eradicator. Look how funny that is. Um, I loved it, and it was just yeah, it's just 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 really really fun Superman comic Superman flies his family to the moon because he has learnt that Batman has a secret bat cave on the moon. On the moon! And uh, then he, uh, Lois, like if you didn't think Alfred getting in the bat suit was good enough, uh, you also had Lois getting in a bat suit, the hell bat suit, to take down Eradicator. So cool. It was just, just like, you can't ask for more fun comics than than these two. Totally. Fifth issues. Um, So... Yeah, like really, really strong showings from Superman and Batman. Great creative teams, and I'm, I could not be happier with these with these two runs at the Absolutely. moment. Absolutely, even even um, my boyfriend Nate, who is not a DC person and especially not a Superman person, read this issue and really enjoyed it. Which I feel like it's crazy bit high praise. Nate loves '90s comics. He loves like is... he thinks that Jim Lee is the best artist of all time. Okay, cool. we should not listen to the beginning of this episode <laughs> then. But uh, I just find I think there's, there's so much to love in, in in what they're doing with these with these you know funny 90s relics and yeah. making them proper proper threats. And the real, like, the heart of this book is oh, so strong because it's all it's about incredible. sort of family and father-son relationships and mother-son relationships. And um, the scenes where Superman is, like, inside the Eradicator and talking to the Kryptonians that are stored in there, that felt like, I felt really kind of classic Silver Agey Superman. 100%. I was very into it. Yeah. Yeah. What a great, what a great run. So good. You know what other great uh, DC book is really great at the moment? <coughs> Nightwing. Nightwing. Uh, written by Tim Seeley with artwork by Javier Fernandez. That's a pretty funny cover. Just butt first. Yeah, butt first. Um, Nightwing's most prized. Um, possession? Attribute. Attribute, sure. <laughs> he owns his own butt. Um, this uh, this comic also starred Batgirl, um, who has just a really good frequent flyer uh, yep. <laughs> deals because she was able to fly from Tokyo to um, wherever the hell they are at the moment, um, somewhere in Europe. Uh, Norway. Oh, okay. um, she was she was there in a flash, um, but uh, this is like a Nightwing f- trying to figure out if his new partner that he's been assigned by the Parliament of Owls, Raptor, is a good guy or a bad guy, and uh, I really enjoyed the journey um, in in which they they, they they found that answer out, mm-hmm. and the fact that it ends up splitting up Nightwing and Barbara. Yeah, Nightwing and Batgirl, may, maybe no more. They well, probably, will be probably again. the best, but for, them, uh, for a little while at least. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I I thought this was just a excellent issue and I can't believe after reading the first issue of Nightwing I was doubting what, mm. what, what Tim Seeley was doing with this series so fun so fun and so I great. really liked, like Raptors becoming a really cool fun character he's and really a great character yeah. yeah love it really really great um, RIP the Barbara Babushka doll too yeah adorable cracked um, hey you know what uh, DC Comic was actually good this week that I that you dropped and I'm still reading um, Aquaman number I 5 I just don't believe you this was because, like, you know, the the lead up to get here has been quite slow and political mm. and a bit, bit dull. This mm-hmm. is an all action-packed issue between Mera and Aquaman just kicking butt and taking names. And uh, 
Mera being like kind of more powerful than Aquaman cool. and Aquaman trying to do his best to stop her from killing humans. And I think the, the, what makes this, I mean, cause we've seen Aquaman lead a war against this, like, you know, the, surf, the, the water and the surface, but in this one, he's actively doing his best to try and like subdue the people from under the water so that he doesn't start a war with mm. the surface. He wants there to be, you know, good vibes between the two. The two, but in this one, yeah, it, it's it's just it's interesting to see mm. to see him. He's he's like a much a much happier mm. um, Aquaman, and but he, but in spite of all the weight on his shoulders, I just find I still find Aquaman and Mira just really dull. Uh, like, there's just not much to them, I, right? You should you should I'll, even without reading the last couple issues, mm. I should give you this. I think you'd, you'll quite enjoy right. the action scenes between the two of them. Um, and you also learn more about the organization that Black Manta has been sent to um, in Antarctica, which is pretty fun. And uh, finally, um, America sends Superman to break up the fight between the uh, their special forces and Aquaman. Hmm. So Superman showing up in uh, Batman and Aquaman this week. Interesting. Real fun. Um, I really like Aquaman now, which is funny hmm, to me. That is weird. <laughs> uh, you know what I don't like? Oh, God. Four DC comics that I said I would stop reading. I still should have stopped reading them, but instead I didn't because I will never learn and I'm a real dumb, dumb guy. True. Um, so now that I've insulted myself, <laughs> it's totally fine for me to insult a bunch of comics and the creators who made them. <laughs> That's how it yeah. works. Uh, let's start with Green Lanterns. Um, another comic, another issue of this in which they say who they are. Oh, and then, God. And then uh, Simon Baz gets given a, a brand new Green Lantern power, which he doesn't use very well. And Jessica Cruz doubts herself and can't construct anything and ends up like being sad. What's this, his new power? What's his new, what's his new Green uh, like, like power? Like green vision or something stupid. Like he can, uh, pretty, he can, he can see the future. Uh, I just, yeah, this is a mess of a comic. Yeah. It, it looks great. Um, but Does it? I mean, it looks, yeah. you know... Looks it looks fine. It looks like a, it looks like a Green Lantern comic. Yeah. Um. But I just I was, re- I was really disappointed because I was quite looking forward to this like fun, fun kind of romp with the Green Lanterns. But it's this, every issue is the fucking same. Yeah. Yeah. That there's nothing interesting about Simon Baz and Jessica Cruz to me. Totally. Um. So unfortunately, this is a real bummer of a book. Green Lantern number five. Um. Sorry, Green Arrow number five. Mm. Uh. People love this book. Yeah. I, I'm really confused. A lot, a lot of like Green Arrow fanatics are saying this is exactly the kind of Green Arrow comic that they want to read, uh, and I think it's cool that they brought Diggle into the into the universe. Mm. I feel like Lemire did that anyway, right? Mm. But uh, I uh, I just find this dumb secret society of guys that melt their faces and look kind of like this melty red skull, mm. and and have all these characters. Half of them betray. I mean, at least I said earlier, at least Black Canary uses her sonic scream in this and um, alerts Ollie to her presence. But then it has this awful moment in which uh, Green Arrow and Black Canary are reunited after only being apart for like literally one issue. Yeah. And uh, they see each other and um, she goes, you idiot, and slaps him. Why didn't you tell me you're alive? Um, and then he says, sorry, I didn't text you when I was in a coma. And you know what? Even after I woke up, I didn't think you'd care. You'd made it clear you wanted some distance. And then she says, that's what I do, Ollie. I push people away. <sighs> and then you turn the page. And she says, it's up to you not to let me go. And she and they make out. Nice. This is shit. That Fuck is, this that comic. That is terrible. That's terrible and annoying and boring and annoying. And I'm glad I didn't read it. Justice League number three um, by uh, Brian Hitch and Tony S. Daniel. Just, I don't know, like, just still just like this real 
mess of a comic in which the characters don't feel like themselves. Yeah. The threat is too enormous. Yeah. Um, and But also just feels so unimportant and dull. Mm. And there's some really stupid moments. Like, why is one Oh, so you still read this too? Yeah, I still read this. We're both idiots. Um, we're, like, like, I know that we're complaining about this comic, but in reading it, we are both dumber than the comic we're complaining about. So... <laughs> So, like, why yeah. is why is there a moment like it opens with Wonder Woman going like, "I need to know what you are, tell me," but doesn't give the thing time to talk, just stabs it in the face with like a lightning bolt immediately. What? Yeah, that's like that doesn't make any sense. She's like leaping at its face, going, "Talk to me, stab you in the face." You can't talk when you've been stabbed in the face. Yeah, that's like me saying, "Brian Hitch, what the hell are you doing with this comic?" And then with this comic, and then uploading it before he has a chance to answer. <laughs> uh, DC Rebirth number two of Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn number two is an easier way to say that. Uh, this yes. one's written by Palmiotti and Connor, with art by Brett Blevins. And he is an insult to my name with a B before it. Uh, <laughs> I I did not. I'm just. I don't understand who this comic is for. It's obviously me not for neither. me. I don't like. I mean, if someone could please email us seriousissues at kingscomics.com and tell us why you like Harley Quinn, what this version of Harley Quinn gives to you, because I do not understand. Like, I like Amanda Connor and I like Jimmy Palmiotti. And I like but Harley she Quinn. She talks in rhyme in this. That is fucking so irritating that is so annoying and there are zombies in this comic it's, it's uh, harley quinn versus zombies at one point she belts a zombie with a he- with a with a toilet seat and then complains about there being poop beneath her nails yeah. and then eats a hot dog yeah and everyone's <laughs> like did you just eat that hot dog with poop on your hands and she's like i guess i did and then like, she eats a pretzel what? What? i don't understand what who is this that's not funny no it's not funny and like like she's either she's either a sexy character or a funny character. It's very difficult to do the two, and you're not pulling it off. And so, like having her be like, mm, "I'm so sexy, licking poop from my fingers," is like bizarre and horrible. Yeah, real, real gross. Real gross and terrible, and like it's so wordy. There is so much like dialogue oh, in this. So much, so much, so narration. overridden. Yeah, and like the way she speaks is really, really annoying. Yeah, really. I, I don't, I, and yet, this is one of DC's biggest selling. It's it's selling better than Batman, right? Yeah. People love her. People, anything, anything Harley Quinn. People are like, like, falling over themselves. I don't get it. Get. I don't I understand know. it. I don't like. And, and this, the fact that we, I, I read this and I quit reading Gwenpool. Yeah. Like Gwenpool was was such a superior comic in every way. And, totally. And, and they were just ripping off like Harley Quinn and yeah. mixing it with Deadpool. Yeah. And it's, it's way better. Yeah. This is that like like she didn't get poo on her fingers and eat a hot dog. <laughs> That's the dumbest moment in comics this this week by far. It really is. And like her, like her supporting characters are so annoying and there like, are fucking hundred of them there's jokes about like metal. Lynn did you read Harley Quinn number two <laughs> fuck you Lynn <laughs> <laughs> correct decision Lynn um, uh, the only the only redeeming feature of this is the poison ivy shows up in the background but with still oh her is that shitty, who that was yeah that's her shit new 52 costume terrible costume and she shows up with a weed whacker which is not something that poison ivy would use no because why would she kill weeds exactly she's connected she to loves the plants them. she loves them she wouldn't even have one in her possession um but i mean like probably the best thing that people have done with the harley quinn character over the last couple of years is kind of replace her unhealthy romantic joker relationship with a not totally outrightly said romantic relationship with poison ivy if we could just have a book about them having adventures without this yeah like gotham city sirens was like gotham city sirens which i didn't love at the time because i really didn't like that weird artist who does like draws everyone like their photorealistic pornographic oh no that was just the covers that was just the covers enough to put me off yeah um 
Gotham, <laughs> Gotham City butts. Yeah, Gotham City, Gotham City drag queens. Um, I yeah, I find this mad exhausting. I can. I I was like, it ended, and 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 Poison Ivy showed up, and I was like, who the fuck's that? Yeah, yeah, that must yeah. be some weird character they introduced in the last run. I can't. That, that does not look like Poison Ivy. I know. That's the ridiculous. only thing is that like her hair is red, and I guess she's got a little bit of like foliage-looking stuff on her, but it doesn't. That's such a yeah. bad costume. Oh, my God. It's such a bad costume, right? I really hate that design. Yeah. Her costume's such a classic, and I know it's basically underpants, but it's one of the ones <laughs> that I like, all right? Yeah. So just leave it. <laughs> Double standards are okay sometimes. <laughs> uh, cool. So that is uh, DC done. <gasps> that was exhausting. And we've, I've, I've got, we've now got seven <laughs> image comics to review and a couple of independents. This is a very yeah. long episode, guys. So strap, strap in. in. Jinx. Um, which image comic should we talk about first? Which did you read? Horizon uh, number two? I don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to complain about something again. Let's talk about something we liked. Black Road number five. Yeah, nice. By Brian Wood and art by Gary Brown. Um, I said at the beginning of the episode that uh, Brian Wood wrote two great comics this week and this is the second of them. Mm. Black Road is a uh, cool um, wintry Viking comic. But also now and is becoming more obvious that it's like a bit of a murder mystery as well. Like yes. that's kind of how it's being told. And uh, pagans and all kinds of great shit. Evil Christians. Yeah. Love and that. Man, uh, this this issue in particular, just just incredible storytelling device where you see something shocking at the beginning and then they flash flash forward, like flash back, sorry, mm-hmm. for a couple of hours before it happened and they uh, let you know how it happened. And I love that trope. Totally. And it's done done very well in this and you have... Someone who's been tracking them that you thought was the enemy end up being the ally, mm-hmm. and now the partner is the enemy. And I did mm. not see that coming a million no. miles away. And I was, I was pretty like, I didn't love the last issue, and I was pretty ready to like just stop reading it. But I figured I would at least read this issue, and I'm really glad I did because I'm back on board totally. Yeah. Also, you get to see a Willie in this. That's rare. A big old pecker. Nice. That's what Willie Watch. Yeah, Willie Watch. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I definitely saw more more penis than I did boobs this week. Yeah, that's nice. Good. That makes a change. <laughs> um, I was uh, I was real. I bet, I bet, I bet e. Brian Wood is listening to podcasts about comics this week, and every single person that talks about his comics is like, oh, I saw a penis. There was a Willie I saw in a it. Penis. <laughs> but it's like, rare. It's a rare treat. <laughs> You're Come brave, on, Brian Wood. All's forgiven because you drew a dick. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is a great great book. It is. Um, and, and, and it is like, I, I unfortunately leave a lot of, just because most of the superhero books are at worst, like very easy to digest dross that you can totally. just kind of burn through. So I will very often leave the kind of more difficult to ingest uh, creator owned stuff until the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, Black Road, unfortunately, um, often ends up towards the end of my, uh, my stack, as, is, as do a lot mm. of the, the uh, image books I'm talking about today. But this was awesome, and hopefully it'll be one of the first I read in the future. Absolutely. I'll do better, Brian Wood. Keep drawing dicks. Um, can we talk about something that... Oh, I'll continue the positivity, and we can oh. we can go, get negative it a little bit. Um, I'm still I'll, not reading. Okay, this Siobhan only read one extra one, and, and we didn't like it. So, Oh, two extra ones? So you've got I got two. One. Cool. Yeah. All right, sweet. Uh, Descender by Jeff Lemire and Dustin Nguyen. Um, you dropped off it. I considered dropping off it because yeah. it was kind of like, I don't know, a little bit going nowhere. They just kept introducing characters all, every issue and it was like, man, what, what are they doing? Blah, blah, blah. Now, the last few arcs, they've been doing massive backstories to certain mm. characters and in this one, we get a backstory of the dog robot. Cool. And it's awesome and I think some of the best art that Dustin Nguyen has done on this series so far. Oh, um, I miss Dustin Nguyen on Batman books though. Oh my God, Lord Gotham was so good, right? So good. And then his, even his stuff with Paul, um, yeah, Paul Dini Paul was Dini so Yeah, all the Paul Dini stuff great. he did on Detective was so... I love that. Yeah, but um, this is like an excellent um, little backstory about about the, the dog robot and 
what what he did when when everyone had to like you know everyone died on the on the planet mm. that he was he was on with uh Andy too the robot the main uh protagonist of this um yeah and then it 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 does tell a, a considerable amount of backstory but also while moving the main story forward um in you know it moves it moves basically has a big revelation for the main story in the last three pages which is really cool. exciting um so looking forward to the next issue of this i mean i'm glad i stuck with it yeah i think i'll i think i'll read it and trade um i also man these ones i, I actually left these i don't know why they were my, the last two comics i read this week uh, in a massive week of way too many comics were the mm. wicked and divine number 22 and rumble number 13 i'll talk about wicked and divine actually they're, they're both really similar in that like the they're not very similar at all um, in in the actual meat of the books, but these were both action-packed issues. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, um, in his uh, prologue in this issue, um, Kieran Gillen writes about that this is like, um, he says, I suspect this will be the most action-led arc of the whole series. Mm-hmm. This is the finale of this arc, and um, it's really great. Had had an incredible oh-shit moment at the end, and um, was, of course, brilliantly drawn by um, Jamie McKelvey, um, who it's good to have a reminder that he is an, a fantastic storyteller as well mm. as just drawing beautiful young men and women. Mm. Um, the colors in this were fantastic as well by a man, Matt Wilson again. Um, and again, like, I, 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 there were times that I would just felt so lost reading this book, um, especially in the, the teen issues because so many of the characters look the same and, I just there were so fucking many of them, mm. but the, in just a, they have a really really succinct um, uh, recap page on the on the on the interior to the cover, and it's so effective you can just turn back to it. You're like, who's that character again? And you just turn back. Oh yeah, that's who it is. Great, and uh, it's just made me enjoy this comic so much more. So nice is that. And then Rumble is like a sometimes funny, sometimes dark. Too many crazy old gods and and, and monsters, but um, so you can get lost in this one quite easily too. Um, especially reading it month to month, especially when they skip months, that kind of thing. Um, this is written by um, John Arcudi and James Harron and Dave Stewart on art and colors, um, and uh, it's uh, basically about like a you know a small town in America that has an underbelly of uh, of demons uh, living within it, and uh, the now the main kind of crux is that like this main demon who we're, who we're following, um, he's his soul, his spirit um, has taken over like a scarecrow. And he wields a big seal, uh, sword and is trying to get back his body, which is uh, being taken over by his enemy. Awesome. And then his other enemy, a queen, um, has his heart around her neck. Cool. And so, like, that's kind of like, as long as you remember that, then it's fine. Month mm. to month. <laughs> like, yeah. So, I- I'm really enjoying this book now. And this was, like, really action-packed and fun issue as well. You know, a-, a big big battle takes place and ends on a really fun cliffhanger. So, if you're looking for an extremely fun comic about demons, um, that-, that probably should be it Dark Horse but it's an hmm. image instead uh, you should be reading Rumble cool now we can talk about some disappointments I love hey. doing that Horizon number two we really liked issue one of this particularly Siobhan what yeah. did you think of issue two I was really confused by issue two this was the most confusing comic I read this week yeah it's super hard to read and I like I sort of appreciate the like being just thrust into a universe and not having everything explained for you but there's a couple of things that I would like explained a little bit more because there's a lot of like weird technology in this that they don't explain and characters look really similar and that's really hard to understand what's going on also the characters look different at night than they do in the day did yeah. you get that uh no see at first I thought we were it was like we were looking at two separate stories but they they turn oh, blue at night oh I thought it was just like they turn blue when they, they have just... like cool sunglasses at night yeah real weird very confusing. The art on this is really cool. 
it looks great. The art is by um, Juan Cedion. Um, but uh, yeah, I just I I really enjoyed being thrust into the into this like crazy future world um, in the first issue and kind of just following mm. this main, mostly wordless um, introduction to the main character. But then they just kind of they just throw in way too many characters and way mm. too many weird missions and villains and blah 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 in the second issue that I was just lost and I don't really want to be found. Yeah, I I agree. I'm I'm mad confused by this and not not super compelled to continue it. Uh, throwaways number two. I forgot to. You read forgot to this. read this one. You know what? This is not a bad comic, but it's basically about um, uh, an ex army marine who uh, developed who who is kind of like put into a weird program in which she was given uh, superhuman powers, and then another guy who she's put with by a shady other you know underworld organization who has like telekinesis powers, and then trying to escape the same people who were part of the camp that that the Marine was part of. And, um, you know, uh, a girl that there's another girl who works for this shadowy organization that's helping them. Um, it's pretty fun, but at best it kind of just feels like a video game cutscene. Mm. reading this. And normally when you watch even like, you know, the best video game cutscene, you do so knowing that as soon as it finishes, you're going to be able to play the game mm. and you don't have that with there's a no comic. Game with this. There's no game with this. So, uh, yeah, my only criticism ab- about this is that I wasn't able to play a game after I finished <laughs> reading it. I'm still going to keep reading the next issue because there is a there is a cool story emerging in this. Throwaways number two by uh, um, Caitlin Kittredge and Stephen Sanders on art. Hmm. Did you read the um, issue two of The Hunt? No, I did not like issue one, so uh. I did not read issue two. Um, so this is just continuing... Um, the Irish... Irish sort of demons story. I really, I like this. I think that there's some great characterization in the faces. This is, this is an artist who knows how to draw an old lady um, properly. That is Joanna La Fuente. Ah, so a lady that explains a lot. Oh no, it's illustrated. Sorry, it's illustrated by Colin Lorimer. So it's written and illustrated by the same dude, but colored by a couple of those those happening this week. Yeah, which is really, um, I think that's really cool. It's cool to get someone's vision. Um, really unimpeded by anyone else. I like this because it's bringing in a whole bunch of cool, weird Irish lore and stuff like that, like weird, um, weird demons and bad spirits and things like that. Which do you, are quite do you good read fun. it while listening to the Pogues? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's the only thing I ever listen to in my house. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes. You know, it's it's compelling enough for me to keep going. Cool. Um, let's move from Image to Dark Horse for. We'll talk about aliens or yeah. Black Hammer. Let's do Aliens first. Okay. Aliens Defiance um, by Brian Wood and uh, filling in for Tristan. Jeez, Brian Wood's getting a lot of work at the moment. He is. Oh, it's a great week for, for Brian Wood. It's mm. three. God, I said mm. two at the beginning. It was actually three three great Brian Wood comics this mm. week. Um, but uh, the Melbourne art- artist uh, Tristan Jones, yeah. he was drawing issue one and two of this, but now he is not on this anymore. So mm. I, hopefully he's going to return. Yeah. Uh, instead, we get Riccardo Bercelli and um, it's great. Really great mm. artwork. This is an incredible um, story about a um, uh, a marine who is teaming up with um, like a, a, a robot um, in space. Um, I'm not sure if this happens as the at the same time as Alien or just before the Alien movie takes place. They reference Ripley in this, which yeah. is quite cool. Um, and uh, basically, they, they they infiltrate a um, a space station that that has been um, taken over by aliens, and uh, they escape it. Um, but the the humans um, like the, who, who they work for are requesting that the space station be sent back to Earth. Mm-hmm. But the, the, um, the, the, the human and the robot, the good robot, know that 
in doing that, they'll unleash these alien species to, uh, onto Earth. So they are refusing to do that. Um, but all of the other robots are under the command of the home base. So they, it's basically all of the bad robots, or like you know the, the robots that are under the command of, of, of the army or whatever, versus the main character and and the good robot. And there's an incredible scene in which uh, you find out that um, like because the, the I mean, one, all these robot clones look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So the the good one wears glasses, and she asks, "Why the hell does a robot wear glasses?" And he mm. he does so. There, he says, "They're a reminder to myself. I can sometimes feel unnerved when looking at my squad mates, perfect replicas of myself. When I feel anything but, I know they're an affectation. Maybe I shouldn't wear them." And she says, "You should keep them. They're interesting." I just thought it's this is just a it's a it's a incredibly human comic for a, a book about one human living in space with an alien and a bunch totally. of aliens trying to kill her and aliens. And it's super interesting because the, the, um, the good robot android guy is like, he has detached himself from HQ. So he is not following any of the orders and seems to be sort of progressing on his own. So kind of developing new skills and learning new things, which is not what a robot should be able to do. So it's super interesting to see where they go with that. And I'm excited to see more aliens. Yeah. We've only, well, they've only really been in the first issue so mm. far. So yeah, this is, this is real great. Um, Black Hammer by Jeff Lemire um, and art by Dean Ormston and uh, Dave Stewart on colors. Uh, I think this might this might this is a, one of my favorite comics of the week. This is my if favorite. not yeah, my favorite this comic. Is my of the new week. favorite new comics in a long while. So yeah. this is about uh, like you know the the Justice League equivalent of uh, of an alternate version um, uh, Golden Age, mm-hmm. um, and they they for whatever reason they get transported. Uh, to uh, a small town in the middle of nowhere where nobody knows them and they can't reveal themselves as superheroes and they've been stuck there for years and one of them still, like the robot character, is trying trying desperately to find a way to get back but everyone else has kind of given up hope and they're just trying to live live their lives. Um, this one kind of tells the origin story of the Shazam analogy, mm-hmm. um, which is a little girl who uh, meets a wizard in Spiral City and... Uh, he tells her to say his name, which is Zafram, and and she will inherit his power. But every time she says, every time she stop, she says Zafram. Um, no matter what age she is, she reverts back to like the the, the superhero version of a character is a little girl. Mm. So in this uh, story, she is stuck as being a little girl, even though she's fifty five years old. And so there's like. Bits which are both funny and heartbreaking of her, you know, she has to go back to school again and she is so tired of going to first grade because she is a woman in her 50s and she gets caught in the bathroom having a cigarette um, and then swears and so she is... Her parents Immediately get called. In to, her parents get called called to school, and of course they are her peers that mm-hmm. have to masquerade themselves as, the, as her parents. And look, there's a lot to explain here. But um, man, it's, it's excellent. So worth the reading. colors are beautiful, especially in the golden age um, little segments. Dean Ormston is like absolutely killing it. There is so much like depth and interest to every single panel and page. It's ah, it's and amazing. And there's a, a pinup of the um, alien character Bob Alien um, uh, by Matt Kint at the back as well, which is uh, worth Very checking cool. out. Um, this is a really, really great series. And one of the best to come out of this year, I think. And, yeah. and, and Peak Lemire, I think. Totally Peak Lemire. Um, after being disappointed by that Plutona, this is, uh, this is undoing, undoing, mm. undoing the injustice. And there's so much, like, each character is so interesting to me. And I'm so, like, it's such a well-fleshed-out universe. <coughs> and I'm really excited to, um, to learn more. Like, I mean, this, the, the really weird um, sort of, I guess, Adam Strange sort yeah. of analog who is has lost his mind completely and just says what's in his brain without 
you know, any filter and um, the the scary sort of enchantress lady. Yeah, lot of lot of cool stuff. Yeah, really into this. Really, really, really great book and with a lot of heart too. Absolutely. Yeah, I want to. Is this a mini series? Is it going to be a long and going? I actually, don't know. I hope it's like at least twenty issues. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about IDW, Oni Press, Boom, or Arcade? Oh, I miss Tales of the Dark Side. Man, I missed so many this week. I'm well, sorry, I did a terrible job. I won't linger long on this because we've been negative enough in this in this episode. Mm. There were a lot of great comics this week. There really were. Unfortunately, that means when when the comic is not as good as the other ones, it really stands out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Um, and this unfortunately was a, a bit a bit of a dud this week. Oh, that's a shame. Um, this is uh, continuing the story about the guy who has a demon in his head going into surgery to have that demon and removed and uh, is basically like this kind of like weird takeover of like basically like he keeps dreaming up these scenarios in which the other characters in the book die but then they actually die in real life um, and, and then it kind of you get like a weird to be continued at the end I don't know it wasn't as satisfying as the last two issues have yeah. been so I wish it that. had been just a one and done yeah me too I kind of like the Twilight Zone kind of one mm. story but then this is going to be a three-parter at the very least Jeez. so there's that um yeah look it's still beautiful to look at and you know it's still fun to read but it wasn't as good as the last two as well i'll say you're not reading brick are you no i've missed every single issue uh there's not even two so far so it wouldn't, be, wouldn't take long for you to catch up uh this is like a fun book coming being put out through only press by um adam glass and michael benson with art by um harwinder singh um about a kid in um, yonkers new york uh whose grandfather's been killed by a young guy in the mob um, but before he dies, he kind of tells him that in the war, a lot of the Jewish soldiers um, made a golem and um, the golem fought and won the war for them. And uh, when the grandpa dies, it turns out the instructions for making a golem have been tattooed on his back. Whoa. And so the boy gets the, the, the instructions and... Skins his grandfather. No, and then oh. like, oh, this is kind of like... He, this, is, this deals with him making the golem. Um, but uh, we don't... We don't actually see the golem rise until the very end, the very last page. So, yeah. Unfortunately, a a, a dog gets crushed to death by a car in this issue too. So So much animal death in comics at the moment. Do you think um, Crypto is actually dead in Superman? I don't know. Because Superman came out of of the Eradicator. Yeah. Does that mean Crypto's going to come out too? Did he just not bother to find Crypto? Do you just not care about it? I'm I'm sure Crypto's going to come back. Yeah. It's too heavy if he's just dead. Um, Just quickly, Kong of Skull Skull Island, number two, James Asmus and art by Carlos Magno. I raved about the art on this last issue and it was almost like reading. I had to like Google to see if it was the same artist. Art in this isn't bad. It was just like, that was like, it was wonderful in the first issue and it just, it was a bit nothing. I I think the difference is that this had to be like, the, the first issue seemed so like just awesome, big, beautiful splash pages and they had to fit quite a lot of story into this issue. Yeah, and the story is but boring. Yeah, yeah. Did you read it all? Yeah, I did. And I was I was like, oh, maybe it's more interesting if you actually read the first issue, which I didn't. All right. But I guess it is just a bit boring. It's all like, it, it's sort of weird because it seems like there's two stories and then there's the, the giant monkeys are just kind of tacked on. You know, like there's a whole story about like having to marry not your true love because you're the prince and you have to make alliances and then there's another story about the volcanoes erupting and neither of those really have anything to do with giant apes yeah well here is here is a secret to how you do a good kong of skull island story don't put humans in it yeah just have kongs big gorillas go onto a planet with a bunch of dinosaurs on it not a planet an island yeah. with a bunch of dinosaurs on it and then they just have a fight for yeah. like six issues brilliant Great, perfect comics. Um, one day I'll write my amazing Kong of Skull Island comic. 
Um, finally, ending on a really high note, The Joiners number three mm-hmm. um, by RJ Ryan and David Marquez. Um, I learned recently this is actually, um, this has been collected already and this oh. is them just releasing it in, uh, in single issue format. This is about, um, I mean, the front of it kind of sums it all up. It's about family, narcissism, and science. It's about a, um, an extremely successful um, scientist who's created a bunch of products that have kind of shaped the future world as we know it. Um, and he uh, is a narcissist and um, kind of makes these horrible requests of, of his um, girlfriend before making her his wife that she then lives with um, and it ends up ruining their marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, they have like an open relationship. Both the husband and the wife uh, kind of are able to see other people. And so this documents like him going on a date with, a with their babysitter, babysitter hey. who's considerably younger than her. but it kind of borderlines on like a little bit creepy, but there's still a likability and, and like relatability to these, to these characters. Do you find that? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I think they're not, they they feel very real. Like he feels like a very real gross old man. And I can imagine him very, very easily. I don't like him and I don't think you're supposed to, but that's probably I know, why I yeah. find it hard to read. The fact that, I don't know, there, there is a lot of like, you know, tragicness tragedy within his like you know success uh, kind of makes me feel for him a little bit no i have zero empathy he seems like a jerk but the thing that i find most interesting about this is this is issue three of a four-part series and i feel like we haven't really gotten into like a story yet i I feel like that's the point it's like a spotlight in these in these guys lives yeah um I'm, I'm not, I, I kind of I, I really enjoy that. It's a, it's a just a, it's a really really entertaining kind of peek into these lives every every time an issue comes out it's entertaining i just feel like that's kind of it. Like, I wish it was also a story a little bit, you know? Like, I like it just seems like a bunch of stuff has happened and that's fine. And I'm assuming they're going to wrap up a couple of things in the last issue. But um, it just feels a little bit surface for something that could be cool. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like we read so many comics each week that one that is just like this. This, yeah. little, this little peak is, is, is enough for me. Yeah, I like this book a lot. This will actually be one of my favorite comics of the year. Yeah? Nah. I'm looking forward Not to that, list, that final but... fourth issue. Cool. All right. Well, that was my attempt at uh, wrapping it up on a positive note. (laughs) I ruined it. (laughs) Fuck you, the joiners. Um, So you've been listening to Serious Issues. If you want to get in touch with us, we would love you to. to, We would love for you to. Please. uh, Because uh, we love arguing with you. We love uh, getting uh, compliments from you. You can do one or the other. That's it. Uh, And you can do that by sending us an email to seriousissues at kingscomics.com. Actually, what's been crazy is that in the last week, we've actually had three different independent Mm. creators get in touch and send us uh, their comics or links to where we can pick up their comics and that's the coolest thing ever so yeah, if you're listening right now that, and you guys. make your own comics uh, hit us up and we'll uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll try and read yours and talk about your stuff in the future um, you can find us online facebook.com slash serious issues podcast um, and uh, we can, we are also on twitter mm-hmm. at twitter.com slash serious underscore underscore issues we have 50 followers now nice. we're really we're killing it in we're the world we're killing it um, I just wanted to do also a quick plug. Um, the next session of Queens of Kings is happening this Sunday, the 28th of August. We are talking about Kelly Sue DeConnick's incredible series, Bitch Planet. Um, if you want to come and chat with a bunch of extra cool ladies, provided you also are a lady, come Damn. on down. 5.30, 5.30 p.m., 310 Pitt Street, Kings Comics. And we are going to try and do, or, or Siobhan is going to try and do a serious issues based at the Queens of Kings meetup at some point soon. Absolutely. Too. There's a lot of funny, cool ladies. Um, if you uh, want to hear other podcasts that you can hear my voice on, there are two of them. One of them is called Hey Fam, and the other one is called The Mitchin. Hey Fam is about 
pop culture and it's kind of like a com- comedic look mm-hmm. at uh, the movies and TV shows and comics and video games that uh, frequent our lives. And uh, the Mitchin is all about the Sydney and abroad food and drink scene. So if those two things sound interesting to you, look them up on iTunes. And while you're there, find the Serious Issues page on iTunes and leave us a nice review. Thank you. Also in the next week, I'm going to be trying to uh, set us up on Stitcher so you can listen to our podcast on an Android device. How exciting. You Neanderthal. (laughs) Anyway, we'll be back next week. We're also going to um, do a bunch of bonus episodes in the next month too. So if you have uh, any part of the comics world that you would like more knowledge on, be it a series or a creator or anything, Really, Character. write in and let us know uh, who, who you need a little bit more advice on and we'll put together a crack team of uh, comic book experts to provide the answers for you. Thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues and we will see you next week. Thanks, guys. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.